0: You're listening to The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts now.
1: We need to have a talk. What's your name?
2: Gloria.
0: Hello, Gloria. I'm Seth. That's my brother, Richie. Let's cut to the chase. I'm going to ask you one question, and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Good. Rule number one,
2: no noise, no questions. If you make a noise, Mr. 44 makes a noise. If you ask a question, Mr. 44 answers it. Now, are you absolutely, positively clear
1: about rule number one? Yes. Rule number two,
0: you do what we say when we say it. If you don't, see rule number one.
1: Oh, buddies. It's the Runa Fez Show. On something that's definitely not a weekend. Because we're at work. Now, I am uh, starting the show here today on tape. Because, well, maybe I'm not on tape. Maybe I'm live and we've destroyed this tape. That's what I'm hoping. I'm down signing up for the grand jury, which uh, we think we figured out has taken anywhere from four and a half to five years before they finally got me. Right around there, yeah. Um, it's been going on as a constant, and uh, I didn't want to do it. I fought the law in the long run. I I thought maybe I'm too much of a shock jock to be involved in this, but... Um, you do what you do. So we're going to start if this happens this way, uh, we've got an interview for you guys uh, coming up with one of the all-time greats, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, not only that, uh, but he was nice enough to sign a basketball for us. What you can't, yeah, you can't beat that. Huge. And uh, oddly enough, I'm the first person ever to stop the skyhook. I cannot get over how I was able to put a block on the
3: skyhook. That was just fucking mind-blowing.
1: I didn't think I could get up that high. I must have been up like 16, 17 feet.
3: Should have uh, seen Kareem's face.
1: Well, my new thing is there's just to jump higher than ever. That's what I'm after. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, I tried to... It was actually Steve Blatter, and he goes, when did Kareem retire? And I thought... Oh, 1970s, right? Kareem played until 1989, before he finally shut down his career. Played as a pro to 1989. Now, he's got a brand new uh, movie. And you can get this exclusively on Netflix. Then, um, Well, here's exactly how you do it. Uh, it's called On the Shoulders of Giants. It's exclusively available to be instantly streamed from Netflix. Instantly streamed. Uh, On the shoulders of Giants, it's available. Or uh, go over and check out... By the way, pre-order the DVD and soundtrack. Uh, The soundtrack is great. Chuck D is on it, along with Wynton Marcellus and a lot of other great music. Uh, Kareem, a couple things about... Now, you may know him as one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But he is also, just as importantly, one of the great jazz enthusiasts of all time. He is has a, got a remarkable jazz mind. Uh, and then is this phenomenal historian. And I've read a couple of his books before. He does a lot of New York books and has done books on the history of Harlem. And I guess everybody thinks they have whatever... Um, whatever the thoughts uh, they know about Harlem from, seeing in the movies. But from an architectural point of view, beautiful, beautiful homes. Uh, and, of course, there's talk now that it's back into a renaissance. This was this new movie of his. It's about uh, a renaissance of sorts, and that's the Harlem Rens. This was one of the first... Uh, basketball teams, professional basketball teams. And they came out of Harlem uh, pre-leagues. You would have a... this is They would have teams together then before you had a league. And they would barnstorm around the country playing all takers. Uh, playing something like eight games a week. Um, and basically working out of station wagons. Uh, and in a time where if you happen to be uh, African-American... Um, you weren't welcome to sleep everywhere. Dude, let me tell you something. And, you know, Hicks, I know you got your own idea prejudiced. Yeah. Sometimes as this professional basketball team, the Harlem Rens, traveled around the country, the one place they could say, could we stay here would be a jail. They would have to go up to a jail whoa, 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 whoa. and make an arrangement to go in and stay there for the night.
3: They're, they have to, they're just working out, sleep, just sleeping in cots. In, in the jail. That's crazy.
1: And then go out and play, you know, a ball game against the best people of Topeka, Kansas.
3: Dominated.
1: Because uh, there was no other place to stay. So Kareem puts this together, and for any younger guys who don't know, Lou Cinder By the way, that was his name before. When he played at UCLA, he was Lou Alcindor. But before he turned a uh, Muslim, and he and Muhammad Ali are, I guess, two of the famous... 1960s guys that did this. Uh, he was Lou Alcindor. Um, let's go over some of the stuff that he's got in the record books. Because it is amazing. Amazing to look at some of his stats. Uh, all-time point score 38,000 points. Rebound 17,000. Blocks 31 100 blocks. Uh started playing ball professional ball with the Bucks in 69. Uh ended up with the Lakers 75 through 89. 6 times NBA championships. Same as Mike Jordan. 6 times most valuable player. 19 times 38,000 All-Star 1000 points. Two-time Finals MVP. 10 times NBA first team. He, of course, got Rookie of the Year. And uh, the NBA's 50th anniversary all-time team. Put him on there. Phenomenal,
3: phenomenal stuff. The a living legend. Literally. <laughs>
1: He's a living legend. And yet, when he plays Ronnie B, one-on-one, donut. I shut him down.
3: Momentous day.
1: He's not going to skyhook if he can't get the ball. That's what I do. Complete ball control.
3: You got magic hands.
1: And moving him. You know, I'm moving his hips. He's going where I'm telling him to go. Like a puppeteer under there. Uh, But he is, you know, he's this phenomenal guy. We had him in here once uh, uh, years ago. when We were at the old uh, XM when we were straight up XM what I like to call the Negro League. That's what we used to call XM, the old Negro League, because you would not, if you were an XM guy, you couldn't get on serious like the white players. I know. So great names, uh, people like us, Opie and Anthony. We played in the Negro League, XM, under Elo Logan. Kids, I'm going to take you barnstorming. Um... But the guy... uh, Going back to Kareem... The guy really, really knows... uh, This city... New York City... He really, really knows... The history of this town... And he loves history... I'm going to tell you the truth about this... uh, And I... I want you to pick it up now... And check it out... If you're a fan of the Ken Burns type stuff... It's done... In that way... But... I will... Tell you... I'd never heard of the New York Wrens... Before this... If you would have said... What is the basketball team from Harlem? I would have said Globe Trotters. Yeah, this was a team before then. Team that went on to play the Celtics, which was the champions of basketball. Um, on the shoulders of giants. That's available on Netflix now. Uh, and then if you also want to pre-order the DVD and soundtrack. You can go there uh, to KareemAbdulJabbar.com. Uh, it starts off with great people in this. Uh, Bill Russell is in it, Jerry West is in it, Went Marcella is in it, Spike Lee is in it, um, Chuck D is in it. And the list goes on and on. People show up for Kareem because, like Hicks said, this gentleman is an icon. Uh, Fezzi, if I'm going to say movies to you, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, what movie? Airplane. Come on, what movie? Airplane. What's his most famous role where he and Bruce Lee went at it? I don't know. How did you have never seen this before? I've never heard of this. Game of Death. Bruce Lee, karate. The jumpsuits. Against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar.
3: Amazing. Crazy to watch that.
1: I've never seen it.
3: No, I've never seen this. Oh,
1: Ugh, wow! That's bizarre to me.
3: It's, it's just seeing them. It's one of the most iconic images of the of that era. The he, to
1: see how big Jabbar is and his style of karate at that height. <laughs> it's just It's it's phenomenal. So cool. Um, all right. We will uh bring him in to get this started. Now, by the way, I'm pre-recording this for you folks, but I will be back in here this afternoon, hopefully for good. If not, I will work something out. If the city, state, and county of New York feels that they can't do the grand jury without me, it doesn't mean I can't go on doing radio. I'll have to figure out a way. On the shoulder of giants. Exclusively available to be instantly streamed from Netflix. Netflix. Let's bring him in. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's a little bit of Winton uh, Marcellus, and of course he does some of the work on the new documentary that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is here with, that's On the Shoulder of Giants. How are you, sir? I'm
4: doing very well, thank you.
1: I think some of, uh, over the years, what I've learned most about Harlem history has uh, been from you, because uh, this has been something you've been working on for uh, many, many years now, right?
4: Yeah, uh, it took us like about five years f- front end to th- to now, you know, to, to get the money together and, and get the movie produced and then get it cut and edited and everything. It, it was really, a, it, it took a while.
1: Uh, writing books, uh, as you do, um, and you've written uh, a couple about Harlem,
4: but is making the movie difficult, more easy? How does that line up? Um once you get the right people in place, mm-hmm. making the movie moves along pretty quickly. Yeah, but finding the right people—that's like trying to find gold. You know, it, you, people that uh, understand your vision and can work with you to implement your vision—that's uh, that's very difficult.
1: And you had a distinct uh, vision for this film. Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: wanted to to convey to to people what it was like to to try to be a professional athlete. In the 1920s and 30s, when you were a Black American and uh, all the professional leagues were closed to you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I thought uh, Ken Burns' uh, baseball uh, documentary really showed what the uh, what the Negro Leaguers had to go through, and it, it really helped me get a vision of what we needed to do to show what the uh, professional basketball players who were black had to go through in order to uh, to do their thing.
1: Well, it's an interesting comparison too and I remember the first time that I I as a kid when I read about the uh, Negro League in baseball, which I, le- I learned very little about basketball, but there was a lot of great stuff written on right. early baseball. And the thing for me is why did they even think it was such a big deal for Jackie Robinson? to move over when they had played against those teams before. And you show this with the Rens that they had played, you know, against the Celtics, but in, in not like official games. But it seemed to me that all the people at the time knew that
4: both organizations were strong. Well, they knew they were strong, but uh, the, the black players did not get a chance to participate in the economic reward. Right and the, the professional acknowledgement that uh, they were the best athletes in the country, the best baseball athletes in the country.
1: So at that time, they weren't getting a lot of newspaper print. Let's say the Wrens the that you're talking about here. Uh, these guys were barnstorming, which is, you know, the, the difficulty of that is you're never preparing for a game. I mean, you're just, on every single game, you've got to go, we're going to go out and play. But you have no idea who you're playing one game to the next. Um, but there wasn't a lot of newspaper writing about them?
4: Uh, n- well, actually, here in New York, uh, they became uh, an item here in New York. Right. There, there's a radio station that, that would broadcast their games. And uh, that was pretty unusual for uh, an all-black enterprise uh, in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, that that was kind of a, a, a great achievement. And it gave the Harlem community a lot of pride to know that uh, someone that, that a team... From, from their community was held in such high regard.
1: Um, and their life in Harlem was different than, let's say, uh, most African Americans at that time. I mean, Harlem was and is a gorgeous place. And at that time, in the 1920s and 30s, most of those buildings were new or closer to being new. So it had to be somewhat of a shock for some of these guys who were raised in that environment to go on the road.
4: Yeah, but uh, you know, a, a lot of them were, were from the South. You know, uh-huh. they'd, they'd lived in the South. Most of them had relatives in the South and understood that uh, you know, Harlem was a special place. And uh, they took that lifestyle and the sound of Harlem, they, they took that with them when they went around and, and played the games. So what do you mean when you say the sound of Harlem? When um, The games in Harlem, when they played, they would have a warm-up band uh, uh-huh. at halftime. Do a little bit of entertainment, and then after the game, immediately after the game, you'd have, uh, let's say, Cab callaway to 3 a.m., all for the price of admission.
1: So you are getting this cultural experience, and you're seeing these uh, people p- being able to, to live a lifestyle different than they had anywhere else in, in the South. Right. And what I think is always amazing when it comes to sports, um, music, and a lot of popular culture is so many times that stuff is even more important than making a political stance. Um, That if you suddenly love, let's say, jazz music, and you're a white guy and you're being raised by racists, it makes you yourself a little... It makes it a little more difficult to be a racist if you happen to be, you know, into Charlie Parker or something.
4: You're absolutely right. Uh, My college coach, John Wooden, he he recounted to me... uh, He said... uh, they played the, the Globetrotters in Chicago. The, the Globetrotters played at the Chicago Savoy, mm-hmm. more or less in the same way that uh, the Wrens played at the at the Renaissance. And he said uh, after the game, he didn't go right to the train station and go back down to Indianapolis. He said he stuck around because the food was real good, and they had Cap Calloway's band there that night. And um, it, it's really hard for me to imagine Coach Wooden, you know, he's a pretty straight guy. Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine him doing the Lindy hop till 2:30 2, 2 in the morning with the brothers on the south side but that that's what happened. But
1: you get caught up into it. Yeah. Uh also I think the beauty of this film that you made it it is a gorgeous film beyond the the fact of these stories but the the pictures that you uh, have uh the music and the people that you you bring into this but you bring up some of the decades great uh basketball players talking about what is the greatest team of all time and you and you're there and Jerry West is there uh Bill Russell's there and the fact is that you that you immediately begin to this point of there is none of those people without without the Rens without these early uh giants
4: yeah they the uh the Rens and the, the guys that lived during that era really opened the door for the NBA to become integrated you know they they're persistent uh, demand that uh, they be included in in the uh, professional leagues, really made everybody, you know, especially the dominant culture of, of of white America, understand that not all the best athletes were involved in in this enterprise. Just like the Negro League players uh, mm-hmm. in in baseball, you know, people were aware of the fact that uh, there were great baseball players that that were not included in in the in the major leagues, and the Rens made everybody aware that. Uh, the, the best basketball players weren't playing in in the established uh, professional basketball leagues
1: and do you think that it was actually the fans themselves the, looking for a better product or they are the fans kind of responsible for both these leagues becoming integrated I, th-
4: I think the, the fans had a lot to do with it because mm-hmm. uh, the the very first uh, tournament that was open. To, to black teams in, in 1939. It got a tremendous response from basketball fans. Everybody went to Chicago to see that tournament mm-hmm. because they knew it, it was going to be really uh, intensely com- competitive, and uh, they, they'd they see the best of the, the, the basketball talent in the whole country.
1: You kind of use the analogy, too, of basketball as jazz. And uh, I think some people today might see it more of a hip-hop game because it moves a little differently, but particularly for you, has the game always been a jazz game?
4: It's always been quite similar, because yeah. uh, just the whole idea of uh, the ball being like the solo, and right. uh, you got to move it around, and uh, there's certain people that you want to take solos, and, and they get to shoot, shoot more, you know, you get Michael Jordan shooting more so than uh, somebody who, who, who can't uh, handle that, that chore and no matter what amount of planning i guess it uh, improvisation
1: is always a very big part improvisation
4: is 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 a big part of it and the the, the great thing is uh, you have a team out there but you have individuals able to express themselves uh with with their particular uh skills and uh um, take on 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 what the game is about you you get to see all of that in 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 what they do and I, I think that's a, a big part of the appeal of the game. What was the first love for you? Was it basketball or jazz? Uh, well, jazz mm-hmm. and then baseball. Baseball first, huh? Yeah, I, I, I was Brooklyn Dodgers fan.
1: And was that because of Jackie or?
4: No, definitely because of Jackie. Yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, when we get back to that too, and I, and I think about the uh, when Jackie came over in the Negro leagues. I think that the really interesting experiment would have been when Jackie came over would have been to send Pee Wee Reese into that other league. Uh, to see how Pee Wee Reese would have done <laughs> in the Negro League. Because one of the things that I think that um, integrating the, the game has cost us was so much of that other history. That as we brought those guys in, we, we don't have a strong history of the Monarchs and some of the other teams. Right. It would have been fantastic to see how white players would have done in that league
4: yeah well you know, but people got to see that uh when they when they barnstormed you know mm-hmm. they they would uh, uh, let 's see coach Wooden had uh, pictures of uh, babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig when they when they would barnstorm and they would play negro league teams you know bob feller would uh, would would pitch against uh, negro league teams uh, i I got a a little clip of film of uh the indianapolis clowns their their first baseman was uh um geez, Goose Tatum. He he played first base for the Indianapolis Clowns, and he also played for the Globetrotters.
1: That is so... Um, well, you know, it goes back to the Jazz thing. To the real players, they won't see race. From early on, they're right. like, if you can play, you can play. Right. And if you can't play, you can't play. And again, it, it becomes almost simplistic, and it takes politics out, but it's probably just the the simple truth to that.
4: Yeah, it is. Uh, I remember uh, reading uh, there was a, a a gentleman that had played in the in the major leagues, and he was uh, at Fort Riley, Kansas, mm-hmm. and he talked about you know there was a colored lieutenant that came over and wanted to play, and they wouldn't let him play because he was colored. He, he was talking about Jackie Robinson, right? You know, he he saw him play, and uh, he said uh, he could play, but the the rules were that he he couldn't play uh, on the base team, and and Jackie was pretty annoyed about it. Uh,
1: you probably didn't grow up hearing
4: about the That was something that you learned about later. Yeah, in life. I learned about later. Uh, basically, when I was in high school, I, heard, I learned a little bit, and then after I retired from playing pro ball, I, I learned a lot more about him, and and got to the point where I wanted to to write and uh, try and do this film.
1: What is it about you and the sense of the history of the of the? of Harlem and where you grew up. What is it about your connection to history?
4: I think uh, I, I took part in a mentoring program between my junior and senior year in high school and it was designed to to get the kids in Harlem to to figure out how they could make it a better place. Mm. And I was in a journalism workshop. You know I'd always had ambition as a writer. So I had to find out what Harlem was all about and it was at that point that I figured out what Harlem actually meant to the black community. It was a very special place. Uh, when black Americans were mainly in the South, they couldn't do anything. Uh, they couldn't vote. If they earned too much money, uh, that was a the problem. They couldn't uh, serve on juries, give, tes- give testimony at trials. It, it was, they couldn't run for office. It was really a very oppressive atmosphere. And when they came to Harlem, all of that changed they were able to do all those things and they were able to shine. Uh Louis Armstrong learned how to play his, his horn in, in New Orleans but when he came up to Harlem and was playing in in, in Connie's Inn up, up in in Harlem, uh he was heard by a, a writer from the New York Times at the Herald Tribune and said, "Oh, this 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 trumpet player is extraordinary." And that's when he started to shine. Duke Ellington had to leave uh, Washington, D.C., and come here, bring his band here. And then people heard him, and it was like, wow, this is like some special stuff. Jazz is uh, pretty special music. So Harlem really gave uh, black Americans an opportunity to, to show the world what they were capable of, more so than just being field hands.
1: And you couldn't get that recognition unless you came to Harlem. and you, It was almost like hitting big league pitching. You had to go there... And prove it
4: there. And and prove it on on the big stage in in front of uh, an unbiased audience.
1: And the, uh, you know, I've talked about this before, but really the most beautiful buildings, I think, particularly townhouses that are in New York City, are in Harlem. And how did that work out that way, that that part of the city got so gorgeous when... You know, obviously, it wasn't like there wasn't
4: racism in New York. There was. There was, but uh, what happened was there, there was a building boom up there. Mm-hmm. And then following right on the heels of that, there was a depression, not mm-hmm. not a, a recession. Right. So people couldn't move to Harlem. They didn't have the money. And uh, they were looking for, for bodies to fill these these uh, new apartments and, and, and townhomes. And there was a, a black real estate developer that... Uh, Told uh, one of the developers up there who was at the point of desperation. He said, "Look, I need people in here paying rent. I don't care who who comes." That's when uh, people, black Americans started moving to Harlem. They moved from uh, the Tenderloin, mm-hmm. which is was just where uh, Penn Station was being built, and they moved from San Juan Hill, which was uh, right on the West Side in in the '60s. And uh, black Americans started moving from those two locations up to harlem and it just became a, a, a tide so before that it was almost like
1: nobody moving there they kind of opened they went so far uptown and that it was too far to get people to move into
4: for, for the longest time the city stopped at 38th street isn't that amazing it, it's incredible when they, when they built the reservoir up where the library is on 42nd street yeah. it, it was out of the city and then when they, they built Central Park, that was like uh, you took a trip out of the city to go to this park up...
1: Uh, that was upstate at the time,
4: <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. When they built the Dakota, they called it the Dakota because uh, it was so far out of the city, it might as well have been in North Dakota. It
1: might as well have been in the Dakotas. And yeah. now that's really uh, considered uh, so much closer to be where it's at than, than downtown. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't dream of having money and moving all the way downtown now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the... And by the way, you can uh, pick up On the Shoulder of Giants. It's now exclusively available uh, to be instantly streamed uh, from Netflix. And beyond the great stories here and great, great people that you have, the cinematography is beautiful. There's some great old pictures. And you have that way of moving in and out of the picture. So even if it's a still picture, there's a lot of camera movement going on.
4: Yeah, we want, we wanted to make it interesting, uh, so we could get the younger generation to watch it and be able to relate and get an understanding of how these things are connected, because they don't understand their connection to all of it. Yes, and the music also. You know, we have Chuck D in there, we have Winton in there
1: together. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. The the very beginning, the very the song that these guys do together, and there's something so distinctive about. Uh, both those people as players. But Chuck D's voice is... Every year, it seems to me, to get stronger it's, it's, and stronger. It's,
4: it's definitely iconic. It is. Yes.
1: Um, and you're moving around these things, and it, it gives you a, 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 almost a feeling of moving in time. That it's one thing to be able to tell these stories, and but to be able to show pictures and film. There's early film stuff there that I couldn't believe. Uh, where did you find some of these these uh, rolls of old old film
4: a lot of uh archivals, yeah uh, you know we found pictures there there were a lot of stills that uh either didn 't really relate to the story or uh, didn't uh, they, they were too expensive for us to use at at the time but that I wanted in there that that we couldn 't put in there because we, you know we were focusing on the rents. We only have forty seconds of the wrens playing, but it 's the championship team, right so we were able to like uh, stretch it and uh, I I tell people it's like trying to stretch a, a chiclet from here to the moon, but we got it done.
1: <laughs> you got it done. Yes. Uh, and it's an amazing thing. And even to go back into the old Celtics, which I had never known that whole, you know, that that uh, organization was around even before the NBA.
4: Yeah, they were, and uh, they were New York. They they were a New York team. Joe Lapsik was is from New York. Stunning yeah and uh, we show them practicing that i th- i thought that was really great that we we could include that the, the the footage of the uh original Celtics practicing they and the ren's really went a long way to showing uh, america how to play the game you know right. their, their strategy and uh they helped make the game popular and uh they they got people interested in the game
1: and the fact that the game moved so slow at first that it yeah. was almost like a chess game it was moving just move by move until they opened it up,
4: jump ball after every basket, <laughs> every single basket. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, they they really had to t- had to change the rules to keep up with the athletic ability of the of the participants because uh, the things that they were doing on the court really uh, outstripped the the rules. So they had to like streamline streamline the game down. And finally, in the 1950s, they the 24 second clock really was a a, a key to uh, giving us the game that we have today.
1: When you uh, take on a project like this, and it it takes years before you're finished, um, is this something where you get a feeling of being satisfied or is it just get the hunger going for more history and getting more involved in these type of projects?
4: For me, it was a a great feeling of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was really pleased with what we had done, but I I didn't know how we'd be received uh, by the critics and the critics have liked it. Yeah. And so, you know, now now I'm smiling about it and uh, I want to do it again, you know, see if I can hit another one out of the park.
1: It is amazing and I will tell you if um if you are not a Celtics fan, you are so mad at Bill Russell at the beginning of this <laughs> thing for how cocky he still is at this age. Well, he,
4: he but he deserves it, though. Yeah, sure. He earned it because um People don't understand what a great athlete he was either. Oh. You know, he he was uh, uh, his his team won sixty games in a row in college, and when he was a college, uh, when he was attending college, he also was a high jump uh, athlete for his for his school, the University of San Francisco. And that type of athletic ability in someone you know uh, six foot ten uh, gives you an idea of how he could be such a dominant player. People people don't appreciate that now; they've lost sight of that.
1: Well, the thing is, is because obviously he's physically great. And mentally, he knows the game. But then there's a competitiveness to him that he's saying, I could figure out Kareem in three games if I would have played him. I would have shut Michael uh, down. It is so funny to see him at the beginning of this. I just love that. I actually re- went back and replayed that part of it just to see him yeah. talking.
4: Yeah, and uh, so, some of the, the other aspects, you know, I, I've, I've talked with him about some of the things he had to go through. He, he was really at odds with his college coach. Bill Russell's ho- college coach told him that a good defensive player never leaves his feet. Wow! <laughs> Can you imagine How? that? <laughs> he had to go against this man that blocked more shots probably than anybody else ever in the history of this game. Or will? Yeah. Or will because nobody
1: had the timing. Right. No and, to, oh and, Bill and
4: the the leaping ability and yeah. and the, you know he didn't foul out of games. And his coach told him that he he shouldn't be leaving his feet. Unbelievable. Uh, Kareem, you do such
1: terrific work here. And there's this, I I think that the the real key to this is being able to take the history and then have it move into its entertainment. You know, it's not getting a history lesson. You are entertained watching this. And at the end of it, you have a, a bigger perception, not just of this sport, of New York City, but this is our nation's history as well, and there is so many stories to tell.
4: Yeah, it's it's our game. We didn't learn this game from from any. It didn't evolve out of uh, cricket or rugby or anything. This is our game.
1: And then take it right back with jazz. That is our music. Too. Yeah. both those are, are the most American things we have. Uh, look, you need to go over to Netflix uh, now and pick it up. It's on the shoulder of giants, exclusively available to be instantly streamed from Netflix and you can also always go to KareemAbdulJabbar.com. it's a real pleasure to have you hey thanks here, for having
4: sir. me and uh, thanks for for letting me talk about my film i really appreciate the, your your time
1: it's a it's a great it's a great film sir it's thank you really so much is.
0: How'd you like to know your top? Dig yourself some fine rebop, hide. I have them in London. I have them in Holland. I have them in gay Paris. Yes,
3: siree, yes siree. Oh, the honey, oh man, that's me. Honey, 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 Hey, 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 hey honey, honey, hee,
0: honey, 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 Say honey, honey, you glad you honey, 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 Look here, Mitch, hand me over that rice right greasy five. Honey-oh, hee-dee-hee. Oh, the honey-oh, man, that's me. Honey, 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 honey. Honey, 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 honey. Hey, hey, hey-dee-hey. Hey, hey, hey-dee-hey. Hee-dee-hee, hee-dee-hee. Hee-dee-hee, hee Say, Jack, be solid and mellow. Be a real groovy fella. And you're gonna be just about as sharp as me. Yes sir, yes sir, the oh, no. The old man, that's me. Ron and Fez, the Ron and Fez show on the virus. I
2: will fear no
0: evil. No, let because I'm walking with Jesus. Jesus. I walk with Jesus. Jesus. I with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I shout with Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I talk with Jesus. We stop on in battle. We stop on in battle.
1: It's the Ron and Fez show. I hope you're enjoying yourself here as I'm down at Grand Jury. Hearing about, I hopefully, hopefully they've already released me. If not, I'm hearing about every horrible crime that takes place in New York City. What are you going to do? you got to stay a citizen.
3: Really? They'll, do you citizenize you if you don't go?
1: Dude, the last thing that they were screaming to me about was a lot worse than that. I'd have, I'd have gladly given up on my citizenship before I went over to Rikers for a while. Uh, I'm just a person like yourself.
3: Why they make people do this? It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it either. It's just there's some people who want to do it. Just let them. Just recycle them a whole bunch of times.
1: It does seem to me that uh, a lot of people would love to do this.
3: Now I heard great I've been like you. I've been dodging jury duty. Now, I heard you get paid a little sum every day for it. Is that true for Grand Jury? Um, not if you
1: continue to be paid. If you have the kind of job that they don't let you get paid, you pick up a quick foudy a day. But since I get paid here, I don't think I'm going to be looking at my fouty.
3: That is insult to injury, Ron. Yeah. Bullshit.
1: Um... We are going to uh, give you an exclusive. masse. this has never been played before, right?
3: Nope. Nope.
1: Uh, This is by a gentleman who was in a TV show called Mad About You, uh, which was a monster, monster hit. Check And this is his third book. I think this one's called Familyhood. Uh, He came back this year, did our show, did A. This is actually the third time I sat with him. Because I was doing O&A with him because uh, Anthony was out then. But um, this was the first unmasked. He's a very funny, kind of laid-back guy.
3: Oh, yeah. I love the Paul Reiser. You know
1: what he is? He's observational. That's what he is. He sees things and explains
3: them back to you. Yeah, it's like, this is what's going on.
1: It's like a summary. He'll give you a very honest summary to something that he just witnessed.
3: Oh, thanks, Paul Reiser. Now I understand.
1: Now I get it. Uh, so hopefully uh, you'll enjoy this Unmasked. And at that point, I'll be here. If not, I want to tell you right now, you're going to hear some delightful um, best of until I do get here. But I believe I shall be here by the time this Unmasked is over.
3: Fingers crossed.
1: Now I feel like you're just being a wiseass. What the- <laughs> No. Hey, you got those other things for me to, to cut?
3: Yeah. Great. Run them in.
1: What's that? You're running them in to me?
3: I'm going to run them in once we, you know, go to Paul Rice run, man. I
1: don't know whether you will or not. I can't always trust you. You can trust. Can I tell you why I have a lack of trust?
3: Uh, okay.
1: Fezzy was ringing the bell on Friday. We were doing the wrestling bell ten times from Fez. The guys couldn't find something. I'll go, Fez could just hit it on a... Uh, Cowbell, it'll mean a lot to Fez. Fez hits it once, twice, and at just as he's doing three, the music's coming up. Ah, and yeah. And I'm just looking at Hicks. I'm wondering how could something like this happen?
3: Just yeah, I, I deserve this look of contempt and Do
1: you not what do you not know what a moment of silence is?
3: I I I thought I did.
5: They keep the entire crowd in these arenas quiet.
1: Well, it would be the same way if I said I was having a moment of silence before the National Anthem and then started the National Anthem.
5: I didn't even get a one, two, three.
3: I got a one, two. Maybe that was Randy trying to kick out of the grave.
1: Oh, I like that. And, you know... Nice cover. Fezzy, you don't you don't make mistakes. So, for you, you're always uh, backing things up, making things work. To And uh, speaking of which... I've seen the w- warm-up tape. I want to go over that from the last unmasked, and that thing with the questions at the end. Cluster,
3: trained, train of fun. Just
1: I decided train. not to make a big deal out of it because everyone cares, but the audience can see panic. They can see panic, and we showed them the full thing. Uh, I will say, the Zeet seems like he's been moving up in the world. Am I right or wrong?
3: I think you're and you're He's moving up a little bit. Yeah, he's getting up Is
1: this there. something he still... Why don't you have a talk with him if this is something he would still like to do with the unmasked?
3: Okay. All right.
1: But to not take it on if he feels like he's going to be doing something else soon.
3: No, no, no. I'm going to sit him down. Talk to the young man.
1: Mono y mono. Give him mono. And when he wakes up from the sleeping disease...
3: Does that mean you have to make out with him or something?
1: Um, I don't know how that works. All right, so this is an unmasked show. This is your exclusive with uh, Paul Reiser. Uh, when will this be playing on Rollbug?
5: This will be playing uh, this coming weekend. Okay, this
1: coming weekend. We don't know the exact times and dates, but we do know that it takes place over a 48-hour period. So it will be playing this coming weekend. And that's one of the things that Seeds can work on, just knowing our schedule. Because I'm sure they do it at the same time every week, Hicks. Yeah, it'll start on Saturday. And there's a time, so people aren't listening for 24 hours.
5: At 8 p.m. in the East.
1: There we go, 8 p.m. in the East, Saturday. You can hear this. Uh, And then Sunday, here on 105. 105,
3: 206.
1: It's Unmasked, with a very funny, very nice, Paul Reiser.
2: What
6: a, what a peppy group!
2: Oh,
6: are these people festive? They are. Festive and peppy at 9 in the morning. Good for you. These these are your people. I've always maintained that. <laughs> I've been looking for them. Heard they're all clustered in one room. Yeah. We no wonder it's so hard to find
1: them. We keep them separated from everyone. As
6: you should.
1: So, uh, New York boy. We're starting. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's already started. <laughs> this is I would have dressed up. No. no. Very few people Go ahead.
6: worry about dressing up for radio. <laughs> that's true, but I do, because I <laughs> yeah. care. Now, when you said New York boy, was that a question or an accusation? The, hey, it was an accusation. New York boy, let me ask you something.
1: Well, I, in terms of stand-up comedy, I always thought that this was the people that have the kind of thing. People that are from New Jersey or Long Island that have access to the city. Uh, but come, come in and do the stand-up clubs, but then bring that suburban kind of mentality. I was a suburban. Mentality. I grew up in the city. Yeah, but yeah. you're one of the few, I think, of even like your class, you're like a city guy, but most of those guys are suburban coming back and forth. You know, it's, uh,
6: I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't remember what was uh, particularly suburban that the, the, the uh, those guys brought, because at that point, I thought that everybody had sort of moved to the city. So mm-hmm. there was a sort of a, a thematic consistency to everybody was doing jokes about first apartment, and mm-hmm. uh, here's what I find about Manhattan. I think <laughs> they had, and it, was, it was really like they had all gotten, we had all gotten the same handbook. And you see it grow. You see like, you know, when you first get an apartment, you know, plants are hard to keep alive. Like <laughs> and when you bring a girl to a small apartment, and then a couple of years later, it was a little, a little more grown up. So... uh but you are wa- you are a city guy. You're born and raised. Born and raised, and uh, and every time I come back, I was I was hanging out with a buddy of mine yesterday who lives in New York, and I go, and I was just it was such a beautiful crisp day here, and I went, my God, this city is beautiful. And this guy lives here. loves the city. Goes, what are you seeing that I don't see? <laughs> like,
2: Look at it. It's beautiful.
6: I because I miss it. Yeah. My kids are born and raised in in uh, in L. A., but we come here often enough that they have a sense of New Yorkness, which makes me very proud. And, uh, and they said, oh, well, New York, I just love New York. New York's my favorite city. And I foolishly asked, I said, well, what is it you love most about New York? And he said, the room service. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's really not New York. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get these kids out more. What What part of the city did you grow up in? I grew up downtown Manhattan mm-hmm. in Stuyvesant Town, when apartments were like $11. <laughs> uh, and uh, Stuyvesant Town was a, was a cool little, uh it oh, wasn't cool, but it, it was a... Uh, it was one of the first sort of developed uh, urban, organ. I can't find the words because it's early in the Like morning. urban
1: planning. Yeah. Is, yeah,
6: and it was right after the war. Mm-hmm. And it was it was uh, the first priority uh, apartments went to returning vets, which right. my, my dad was in World War II. So I mean, apartments were literally, you know, $100 when probably mm-hmm. elsewhere they were. And um, it was very cool. And we had like trees, you know, we had little, little areas where you, we saw trees where a lot of people in New York didn't in and in, in the surrounding areas. And then only like in the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so, I would find out that Stuyvesant Town suddenly became cool. apartments, But cheaper. like, you know, it was now, it's only $7,000 really? <laughs> yeah. for a one-bedroom apartment in New York. Seems to be more expensive than I think The uh, but the a long way to go for nothing. No, no, yeah. it,
1: it it actually works in its own way. But the funny thing about that is, if you don't live there, you more or less don't go to that part of town. It's yeah. No, no one, there's no one's cutting through to get to
6: another. No, part. there's no rush. Yeah. There's no rush. <laughs> but we were, uh, but we were on the, uh, literally on the East River. My apartment was right against the uh, FDR Drive, and <laughs> on the on the lower floors. And and I remember. Just the sound of cars going by, just constant, it was constant hum that, to myself, was just soothing ocean sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so to this day, I can't sleep unless I'm near a body of water or under an off ramp. <laughs> <laughs> I just need that kind of low hiss. <laughs> well, if you ever see me napping on a BQE, that's yeah. why.
1: So you had that kind of background, and. And living, yet here I am. And here you are. But living in the city, then, then you leave for college, I guess, right, for a while? I
6: did, I did. I went to uh, State College in New York, and because uh, I was m- remarkably unambitious. I just mm-hmm. said, that seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be that smart. <laughs> Same university of New York at Binghamton. And like, I, don't, I don't even remember if I tried to, like, should I get into a... Really good school, I you know I wasn't that smart, but I was. When you get to when you get there, it's like everybody is roughly your intelligence. It's like no, they're all just like moderately smart guys and girls. And all right, nobody's going to stand out here. So driven is
1: not something you driven was not so much driven. (laughs) No, Uh, never been driven. Isn't that odd though? Because usually walk. You you come from this you know,
6: it's very competitive being in in comedy, but you're not you know, but not really you know. it's an interesting thing. I um, I'm we talking about this to this young guy who's an aspiring actor. I thought, well, acting is competitive because if there's a job, if there's an opening, you know, a, a, a role cast, mm-hmm. one person's going to get it. It's going to be this guy or you or another guy. In stand-up, it's not, you know. And and there was this sort of rotating there were clubs, and you'd be in this club next week, and and mm. somebody, a friend of yours, invariably would be there next week and the week after, and and in fact, you shared it. There's a lot of uh, Community in mm-hmm. the sense of uh, bonding. So you would, you would, you know, you would. There were no secrets. You'd say, "Hey, there's a great new club that opened in so and so," and your friend would go there, and and invariably you'd you'd pass your friends like in the airports.
1: Particularly when you you came up in the '70s, right?
6: That was. Yeah.
1: So the '70s it didn't have that comedy club explosion
6: around the. Country. Well, I, uh, no, right actually, now. no, I, uh, no. I'm sorry, I came in the '80s. 80s. I, I, yeah, I graduated college in '77. '77. So uh, when I hit the club, it was like. Eighty, yeah, eighty yeah. nine, and uh, it it that was the beginning of a, of a boom, of, right? Of That's clubs what, that was the start of it. That I guess died in the nineties. Yeah, I, I killed it pretty good. Didn't yeah, I? you <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> Once, put a stop to that. <laughs> Once you made it all the yeah. way through, <laughs> yeah. Tora, pull off the ladder behind me.
1: So, uh, what made you want to get into stand-up That was there?
6: I was um, so it's funny you know, being driven. I I always loved standup as yeah. a as a kid and. You know, you know, sitting on watch the Ed Sullivan show and yes, the Beatles. But after that, just love watching comics. And but I never dawned on me, never dawned on me that you could do that. A, you couldn't be a Beatle or be a comic. <laughs> and only because so. And and in high school, you know, and I would just I was drawn to listen as a fan. You know, listening to George Collin records and. Um, the day that somebody turned me onto the two uh, thousand year old man records and Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, it was like, it was like finding, yeah. you know, the Rosetta Stones. Like, wow! Like, it just really opened my brain, and and so I loved it and was drawn to it, but still never dawned on me that you could do it, and only because of the timing of when I was we just started college, I guess, is when the clubs started to open. A, Catch a Rising star, or mm-hmm. a, and the Improv, I guess, had been open. But specifically, there was uh, there were a few people who had launched out of there. So suddenly, it's Freddie Prinze or Gabe Kaplan or so on. And you, and it looked like there was a a uh, a course laid mm-hmm. out for you that you could. And and so the the rules were you go to these clubs and like oh if you go on a Monday night or Monday afternoon they'll give you a number if you wait online enough hours and then you can come up and do five minutes and then if you do well you come back the next day and there was a progression. And and in my crazy head's like, oh so it just leads straight to the tonight show, you do this and <laughs> what, what stop do I get off of the tonight show? But and, and in a way it, it you know what obviously wasn't guaranteed anything like that, but at least there was some course laid out. Mm. And that appealed to me. I need somebody to show me where do I where do I sign up? And once that's you know, that's that made it a lot more uh, tangible for me for everybody.
1: Uh, so for you, was it consuming right away? It is this like this is something that I I have to do, or it's just um, something that you were doing?
6: You know, I I kind of uh, it was something I felt I had to do, although I didn't realize it. I I started to I was torn because that's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and my dad who had a had a business a, a wholesaling foods business and always assumed that I would go into that, and I always kind of assumed it, and 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 so there sort of there was this very familiar. Pr- Family dynamic of like you know go and uh, do your comedy jokes for a year and then mm-hmm. get it out of your system and <clears throat> you'll go to work like a like a real person, which I did and then, but I when I was went to work I'm like I kind of not really liking this and I'm really you know calling up my friends in the comedy who's on stage now yeah he's doing a new bit oh that's funny so after enough nights of that I thought you know it's possibly this is <laughs> this is what you really want to do, comedy is what you and and then once it was really. That moment, it was like a, you know about a six-month period where I tried to not do it. And I thought, no, I'm no. never going to be happy, and and if if I don't do it, and uh, and I sort of really never looked back, and then moved back into in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Who
1: who were the hot comics when you were first started to come in? Who were the guys? Chaplin. Chaplin. I'm, I'm, I'm older <laughs> than you think. <laughs> So once the talkies hit it yeah, opened well, you up. That was <laughs> my idea. I said, "Charlie, I said nobody can hear you."
6: <laughs> Are you nuts? Open your mouth, man. Um when I started, uh Seinfeld was like, you know, the the class above me. Mm-hmm. He was a sophomore when I was a freshman. Um Larry Miller, um you guys like Rich Hall, Carol Leifer, um and there were those were guys, you know, like Larry David had been there a few years and was right. in and there was a sort of little, you know, hubs. Yeah. Some guys were more in this club, and other guys were more in other clubs. But those were... And there seemed to be this progression that everybody would move to California, you know, when you get when you graduate, yeah. when, you, when you matriculate, and then move on to California. And only after a while, don't i like, what happens when you get to California? <laughs> it's it's like everybody just sitting there going, hey, what? I, here we are, now what?
1: <laughs> so th- this was... A chance for you to work it out because you didn't want to go to LA without really being strong. Or?
6: Um, no, I, you know, there was no. I, mean, I, 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 I don't know that I had a, a real plan other than mm-hmm. I just want to go into the clubs and do it every night and and, um, and yeah, get strong. I, I don't know what I was even thinking. Certainly, I wasn't thinking. Gee, when I get to LA, just like I was just thrilled to like, wow, you can. Stay up late and tell <laughs> jokes and yeah. and meet women and 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 get twelve dollars a night for doing stand up. This is unbelievable. Yeah, because we only spent nine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> had that extra three. Yeah, had that extra three.
6: Security. Go to town on that. Yeah, yeah we'll back up.
1: <laughs> Safety net.
6: <laughs> Let's get that three.
1: The, um, I, I brought this up to you before the last time that we talked. That I I remember I say? you being on. Well, you were hysterical. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it was. Uh, a, something you had done with Arsenio Hall and I think a couple other comics. It was a very young oh, comedian's oh. thing. And that was the first time I yeah. saw you. It was almost like a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was backstage. And I, I always remember this thing where you were like, you were a New York comic, you were L.A., but you didn't want to call anybody because you were like, I'm here, but I'm just working. Like this, you seem like, that uh, to me, when I saw this, if I think back about it. A little more ambitious than you than you remember it. Yeah. <laughs> today <laughs> you have no way I'm going at all.
6: You're not even bringing up your no. book. No. The book is sitting. <laughs> here what am I nuts? <laughs> I'm sitting just talking to this nice guy. A room full of nice people. See, it's just like you know. I wonder how people get kidnapped. It's like I just woke up and they put me in a car, put me in a room with these people, and I'm talking about stuff from 50 years ago. But, uh, but I do have a book, don't I? Yeah, you do. Yeah, have a book. we'll get to that. You have
1: the family hood, and it's all.
6: But and none of the stories are in there, by the way. What's that? These stories you tell them, we'll have to write another book. Yeah, well... These are all poignant, wonderful stories in the book. Well, Not <laughs> like the crap we're talking about.
1: Well, we have to finally get to this because there's something... <laughs> Thank you uh, for
6: remembering. Uh,
1: there's something about Paul's material that he only pays attention to what's happening today. If you follow his career along in his stand-up, it is very, very current. You know, I can't imagine you doing science fiction, you know, it's whatever I'm observing... I will
6: talk. I'm a to simple man, is what you're saying.
1: Well, you're a simple man, but you're also very current to your own lifestyle. Like the book is all about your yes, children. Yes. Yeah.
6: Out. I, you know, and I, I, the, the, I, I jokingly say now I'm not, and it's true. I'm not really smart enough to make anything up. So the science page is like, <laughs> I, you know, see, which always astounds me you see a movie. Well, what made him think of that? <laughs> I mean, that's not the way the world is at all. <laughs> <laughs> here's the way it is, and. uh and so, yeah, so my my book and my act, in fact it's sort of everything is sort of grown out of the t- the moment i don't know twenty years ago or something when I started or more thirty years ago when I started realizing that my act w- w- was focused on relationships mm-hmm. and when i when my wife, who at the time had just moved out to l a and we were we we're not married yet, but started doing that material, that material worked and became was stood out above everything else I was doing. Well, this Mm -hmm. seems to be richer and more universal and truer and funnier. And that sort of led to, uh, you know, me making progress in the stand-up world, which led to Mad About You, which led Mm -hmm. to books and everything else. So, um, yeah, and I I find that it's more... Like, this book is really... is actually much more intimate and personal than anything I've ever done. Right. Um, Which I didn't intend. It just, as I was doing it, just sort of came out and thought, all right, well, you know, why not do this? Why, you know, why... There's no reason to water it down, but um, you know, it's like Cosby used to uh, always says. You know, when the, the most, the most personal things are always the most universal. So when you talk about, in this case, in the book, talking about kids and, and stuff with your wife and and some of the insecurities that you have, and, and it's very gratifying when people read it and respond to it and go, "Oh man, mm. I, I so loved reading that because I had the same thought, I had the same problem, I was going through the same thing." And you know, people like company. People like <laughs> knowing they're not the only ones going through this. <laughs> So uh, that's what, what's been most gratifying about writing it and, and hearing the responses. Well, the interesting thing, too, uh, to me, if someone tells you about
1: a fist fight and they won, it's normally a bullshit story. You know, if someone tells you a story <laughs> where they got beat up, you're like, oh, I believe this. But <laughs> <laughs> your thing about being a parent is the fact that you kind of know that you're, Gonna not, get beat up. Yeah,
6: you're not doing it as well as it can possibly but, be done. But, yeah, and then you find out, that's normal yeah and you go, oh, okay yeah but i've I sort of felt that way i remember when i was a kid and first i tried to go water skiing and they're like well I, this is only going to result in death i don't see how this going be death, because <laughs> there's a boat pulling you and you're oh my god and and I, I would try it time after time and i go no this is not gonna work i i keep feeling like i'm just gonna fall and somebody goes well that's what it feels like Oh. <laughs> so when I feel like I'm about to fall, that's what skiing is. Oh. No. And, I, and I look at me, now I'm up. And I realize, yeah. I sort of maintain that image of this feeling of failure and it's like insecurity. That's it, babe. That's what we <laughs> yeah, have. That's
1: it. Yeah. Oh, then I'm fine. I can do that. <laughs>
6: it's the confidence and thinking yeah. you're doing well that I don't know how to do.
1: The the part of it, too, that I, that I think every father would identify is that thing. It's one thing for us to fail, but when you're watching your kids go through new things where you know... It's not going to go 100%. It's never easy.
6: Yeah. Well, you yes. Well, this is, uh, you want to protect your kids. And at the same time, you want to you know, you know, want to get them ready for the world. And this mm-hmm. is always a, a dilemma. I, I read the paper at the, at the table in the morning with the kids and got to a thing where I realized I want them to know what's going on. I don't want them to think that life is as, <laughs> only as safe and as wonderful as our breakfast table. Right. there things going on there. And on the other hand, they're going, do they really need to know that a bomb <laughs> went off in this city? Jeez, yeah. really? And at what point do you let them know? And... You know they, they can't not hit moments of uh, rejection and disappointment and you can't protect them there's a, there's a chapter in the book about when, when our kid was going to a new school and we had to uh, first you have to apply so it's like you have to brush up your kid you have to rebrand him make him look better <laughs> than he is You're like, I know he's great but they're not going to think he's great <laughs> and, and, he, and he was doing it and he was, very, he was a very confident kid and then suddenly the day of the test going to the school he said what if dad what if they don't accept me and it just killed me, because I realized he wasn't even talking about, I mean, yes, he meant the school, but it was like, what if life doesn't accept me? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I hate life. I hate these people. I hate this school. They just broke my kid. And they didn't. <laughs> but it's, yeah, you want to protect them, and, and you can't. And again, all and the only thing I've managed to tell them is like, well, yeah, that's that's perfectly normal, that you're going to feel scared and frightened, because this is frightening. Okay. <laughs> and that's, and yeah, that's the only thing I got. I got no more tricks <laughs> than that. But it's funny because our
1: parents would have thought shut up stop worried about being accepted just go just do what you well, to." Well, that was be. my second plan.
6: I had yeah, but <laughs> when he said I don't understand. Yeah, and I said well just shut up I, <laughs> <laughs> You know I can only keep it up going so long I had one volley and that was it
1: but I and then the odd way I think that they were happier parents than us, I think.
6: Our parents were happier? Yeah, I think our parents were (laughs) happier. Because all the bullshit about trying to understand your kids, that that that, was a relief for them, not bothering. Yeah, (laughs)
1: just the whole fact that they didn't know at all, I think made them a little more comfortable.
6: I don't know. I've never been able, and we never can, Mm -hmm. really know what things were like before us. Right. And and that's been uh, this fascination I've had, like, watching as, as I get older and think, okay, so is this what my dad was like at 50 now? I, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's possible. And I don't know how different they were. And, and what I'm leaning to is like, no, I think we're actually all the same, that you have a certain mindset at 20 and at 50 and I'm guessing beyond right. that. Um, certainly, I, I think our generation now is more uh, questioning and, and more concerned and more hands-on. But as I say in the book, I don't, I don't know that we're any better. I think there are things that I've tried to correct or not correct, but adjust in my kids' childhood that I felt, gee, I would have liked this done differently in my childhood. So I will turn the wheel the other direction. I don't know that my kid's get any better off, I just know he'll be screwed up in the 180 degrees opposite. Then he'll have to go. (laughs) Yeah, You know, I was like, well, I wish my parents had more talks, I wish they were more honest and more things were a little more forthright. So I've been very forthright and I put things out with my kids. And then periodically they'll tell me, "Dad, too much, too much information." Too much, yeah. Just, we don't need to know that. Go, okay, look at that. I messed you up the opposite way. <laughs> you work that out with your shrink. Yeah, and then
1: of course with their kids, they're just gonna, you know, go. I'm not gonna talk to my children at all, and feel like
6: they've done the right. Exactly, thing. and it's just yeah, it'll go to yin and yang till the end of time.
1: Uh, for you as a dad, oh, sweating. You, I got the
6: job. You do have the yeah, job, yeah. but
1: this is like the smallest amount of light I've ever seen in in radio that we have. It's almost like what kind light pl- do you
6: need really for yeah. radio?
1: but it's almost like they put a little bit of heat lamps above. <laughs> us. They don't give off light; they give off heat instead.
6: <laughs> I actually have a tuna milk going on behind <laughs> me. We'll see at the end of the show. Is that what that smell
1: is? So sorry about that. Yeah, so happy for that.
6: <laughs> what a relief, huh?
1: But the, get back to the, that thing that you do tend to write about just where you're pointless. You yeah. could never do like a almost like a stand by me thing where you. Go, well, this is what it was back in when I no, was younger. No,
6: I, um, I, yeah, I do tend to write uh, what's going on, because I find it interesting, and it's sort of, uh, I mean, interesting to me. And, mm-hmm. I find, and, it, and it's sort of, I, I find it comforting when other people respond and go, oh, gee, boy, I had the same thought. I mean, George Carlin used to call it, ooh, yeah, comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, you do something, and somebody goes, ooh, yeah, and <laughs> it's like, well, that's what you want. Yeah. And it's, and there are plenty of other types of comedy that are brilliant and wonderful, uh, this seems to be, you know, where my brain takes me, and as I say, hopefully the audience responds when it works. So they go, they come to it, they read the book or they watch the show, or whatever, or they come to stand up because and they laugh because they recognize themselves. But from my own pers- selfish perspective, it, it's cathartic for me to go, okay, good. I thought I'm glad they're laughing because I <laughs> thought that was I'm the only parent who thinks he's doing a terrible job.
1: Uh, even though you do the stand-up and a writer, the way you broke through, I guess, was acting, right? Was it acting the first uh, thing that kind of got your name out there? Yeah,
6: yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I had a sort of odd, fortuitous, uh, break that I was, you know, doing stand-up a year or so, and, and at that time, everybody would come, come to the clubs when they were casting, you know, passing through New York, they'd come and they'd look at comics, um, for movies, for TV shows, and they were casting this movie Diner, which, which, uh... I happened to just accidentally end up m- auditioning for. And uh, that sort of opened up a lot of doors for me because it was an actual movie and it was actually a notable movie and a terrific movie mm-hmm. that I had no reason to expect that would be in.
1: Now, did the part already exist that way or did they kind right of. No there? There, there was no, no part. part. There was no part.
6: There was no part. They just said, it's about five guys and you're going to be the sixth. I said, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is that good? <laughs> really? <laughs> Could I be the fourth? Let <laughs> somebody else had to move that guy to six. <laughs> let let Mickey Rourke be six. How about I'm four? Um, and uh, but the intention of uh, Barry Levinson, the director, from the beginning, he said, you know, this guy's going to be like the funny guy in the group. and I don't know. We'll just we'll wing it and we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm sure, count me yeah. in. Happy to be involved. And it was always. Um, uh, I remember at the time I was. I was in Florida at the at the comic strip and, and uh, w- working for a couple of weeks. W- when I got that call that I got the movie, and they sent the script down, and the uh, owner, uh, Richie Tinkin, the owner of the comedy club, was there, and he was you know I had no agents or I said well let's read this and and uh, he said uh, he reads the script and he says what's your character called again I said uh, Model he said. Okay, I just read the script. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're not in this movie. <laughs> 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 and I said, well, the guy told me I am. Well, well, well not from what I can see. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and we sort of improvised it. And then and then the uh, the wonderful thing was on the poster it was five guys. And at the time it was, the poster was taken at the uh, the last shot of the movie with these where the wedding and the five guys at the table. And we improvised a scene where he wanted me to go up stage and make a uh, toast. So was sort of like the budding comic of the group so I'm on stage and they take a picture and that becomes the poster so it was always about I'm the, you're in that movie yeah I'm the guy not on the poster so <laughs> and I always thought like, that has become sort of my distinction in show business I'm in the business but not right. so as you'd notice <laughs> it's like it's like he's in a post movie but not, you, you wouldn't know it
1: but you you're the reason why all the guys in the poster are laughing
6: yeah, That's there like you go. You if I if well, then then my life is complete. Yeah. If they could have just that.
1: backed up a oh, little
6: bit. Oh, if okay, they just widened like, out. like Paul is I,
1: killing. I'd be a huge <laughs> star. <laughs>
6: That's right. I'm one focus length away from being something.
1: But that kind of set it off in the eighties. You start to have a, a a true acting career.
6: And then yeah, and then that was that opened the door because it was mm. it was uh, a movie that was very well received. It wasn't a huge huge hit, but it was mm-hmm. very well received, it was certainly out in L.A. So people knew that and. I started to get, you know, and then I was just in the world and, and uh, go up for auditions and did a couple of pilots that didn't go, and then mm-hmm. did a couple of shows that did go, and 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 slowly, kind of focusing along the way, you know, I did did a show, uh, did a pilot, well, the show that became My Two Dads, and at the time, I, like literally, I thought, well, this show's not going to go, and I <laughs> want to go do a pilot. Yeah, I'm going to do a pilot, make some money, sure. And then a month later, I get a call. That show went. I went, what show? <laughs> 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 you don't remember? Oh my! God. Really? That? that? Okay. <laughs> and um, and 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 it was it was a fun experience. And, and and but at the end of it, I realized, okay, now if I ever do a television show again, I know what I want to do now. I don't want to do that. I want to do a more grown-up show. I don't want to do a show about what I what was on my yeah. sensibilities. When that was, and that's what, how mad about you came to be. And someone they, I was approached to develop a show I said well I'd want it really small i want it just about you know a couple and, and at that time I was recently married I said okay about a recently married couple <laughs> and and it worked you know and it easily could not have worked I mean mm-hmm. at that moment in time it, they were looking for that or, or whatever for it worked or had not been you know the casting of it or whatever luckily it worked and
1: once again Directly reflecting of where your life was at yeah. that moment. Yeah. If you would have had a monkey and been driving around the country in a truck, <laughs> you, that was saw the first draft. <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, have yeah, been we the, the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever it's about a guy who just gets a new lamp, but he's not real happy <laughs> with it. <laughs> 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 What's ever happening?
6: That guy gets a new lamp. not <laughs> gonna pitch that one. I'm
1: call you later when there's been I don't know some tragedy in your life. But all right, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll look forward to hearing <laughs> from you. <That'll>
6: be the, <laughs> be the, so. What are you writing about? That'll then? be the upside. is <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, houses laughs> on fire. But, hey, how are
1: you, man? I'm writing a new script. It's great. It's about a guy whose house is on fire. Yeah, I'll let you know when it comes out. Um, but when you did, the, the difference between you, the fact that you were acting at the time, but most actors don't have that ability. You know, you have the whole stand-up background. But how how different is it to write for stand-up than it is to sit down? and start writing TV and they are different they're
6: different it's funny cuz i just did a handful of nights at, at, at the comedy clubs last time i was here we, would, we were talking you know like five or six nights i just went in and did 10 15 minutes and it was it was a muscle that i had not really used mm. and 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 it was kind of gratifying and frightening but gratifying to realize to to remember that oh, this does take a lot of work and it's really right. precise and and i I hope I like to think that my standards for myself are higher now that I can write better now um, Somebody said that you know as you as you advance in this in stand up, you can write more easily things come to you, but <laughs> your standards move hopefully forward too, so the net result is it's still just as hard you'll have just as few jokes at the end of the day because like well, oh, it comes more easily but i I'm throwing out a lot of it and and uh it's it's a different thing and writing you know writing the book is 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 yet another different yeah. kind of thing and even if it's the same world, I mean, I, I mean I'll do stuff on stand-up. It's, it's, you know, this is what I do. So, this right. is, is, as you say, this is my brain only goes <laughs> in one direction. But when you're writing for a, sh- a TV show, it's a different thing. It's visual, there are other actors, and 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 you're thinking of a long haul. You know, you want you want a, uh hopefully a, a, a full, you know, uh, stories to be told. When you're doing stand-up, you want you want more immediate laughs. And then when you write a book, what was surprising, and I had forgotten. um... You get, you get to be more thoughtful. You don't have to go for the laughs. There's a lot of funny stuff in this, and I and I, 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 really like the laughs in the book, but there are yeah. a lot of places where it goes more serious or, you can, or just more honest. And it's like, well, hey, we don't have to go for a laugh. You know, because everything about a book is you read it at your leisure. You know, you don't have to <laughs> read it today. You don't have to laugh right now. You can go back and read that sentence again if you like. It's yeah. up to you.
2: <laughs> so,
6: and... I noticed, that, you know I, I've tried to read books on like you know on on iPad or on a Kindle. It's like mm-hmm. it's just not as satisfying. It's like actually there's something very tactile about holding sure. a book and looking. Also, I've been playing with my kids' iPad. I started reading something on there, and I was very fascinated that you, you touch the word and comes up dictionary, and you wow, it's you actually going in there, you're mm-hmm. digging out the and it'll give you the definition. It's very hard then when you go back to a book to you miss that. So now I'm holding an actual hard copy and I press the word, nothing happens. And I keep pushing, going, oh, this one's broken. So, so I feel you got to pick one medium and stay with it. You can't go back and forth. You can't go back no. and forth. Although I don't know if you
1: you can really like lay on the couch with the iPad and just start to... You know, like you can comfortably lay back yes. with a book with an iPad it feels... Also, when you fall asleep,
6: yeah. an iPad on top of your face is not satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> There's a book, it wraps your head, it's, it's, it's V-shaped so your nose goes right in there.
1: This could be your next book, an iPad on your face is <laughs> not,
6: it's not So so rude when you say that. An iPad on your face and a chicken in every pot. Um, yes, but now think about that. An iPad that bends so as to accommodate a face when you fall asleep during a book, that's something. And uh, slowly, you just work yourself back to it. And we thought you couldn't just write go sci-fi, but look <laughs> at this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I went right past where it was funny to the point of see. Now, if I was writing, I would say, you know what, we don't need that. <laughs> 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 but on a live show, that's my closing. <laughs> um, what else you got?
1: <laughs> we uh, now with this uh, familyhood. This is the third book, right? Third book. And the first story. Couple, couple Hood, Baby Hood. And it's got to have a Hood in it for you.
6: Yes. Uh, next one is a jacket with a hood. <laughs> and then slowly, Death Hood will be my final one, which I want to remember to write in advance. See, that's what I can't do as it's happening. It'll just be crazy. This book is thin. Well, he does. Page <laughs> he does. Yeah. The last word was... Uh, oh, typefest. <laughs> Uh, but you can follow along your life with these... And isn't that what every American wants? Yeah. Because they don't have problems of their own. Well, right. They follow this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. But that, you know, the people that... Um, I always keep thinking of Cosby uh, as as such an example. I mean, he is the state-of-the-art mm-hmm. stand-up. Actually, I got to see him a month ago, and I, and I told him this. He didn't care. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, I was... Because he doesn't hear that much. <laughs> no, he just, just doesn't care for me. No, but, you know, he is... First of all, you know he's he's America's dad. So mm-hmm. he's, when you see Bill Cosby, it's like you're meeting you're, you're seeing your dad. And, and um, but I was telling him that I've I been thinking of him so much as I've been writing because he was always the standard A in, in just brilliance of, of performance. But if you want, if you put all his albums together, you know he mm. started at I don't know was he twenty two yes. three? I mean he was a young guy talking about. I think he was married at the time but you see his life and, and having kids and having the first baby and then having grown kids and having teen kids and and you think well he never has to it not that he never has to work for material but because he's brilliant but there's a natural progression and you just watch it and it's there there's something very organic and satisfying and and getting older with him you know mm. and, and moving with people so um there is you know i i'm not gonna you know it, now it, at my age, go back and do a bit about, you know, when you meet girls, it's like, well, that's <laughs> right. no, I'm not meeting <laughs> girls. I'm, that was 30 years ago. So, yeah, and, and, there is, and there's stuff to be, there's also the discovery of it is what's fun. So as I'm going through this stuff with my kids and being confounded by how clever they are and how they're, you know, wrapping me around their finger, I'm going, this is, this is mystifying to me. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it's, there's an organic reason to write this stuff. But, you know, it's not al- to read it or buy it. That's crazy. <laughs> <No>, just just, <laughs> right. no, just for me, yeah. I'm not helping the American people, let's be clear.
1: But I guess it's almost the strongest thing for your writing is the observation that you're able to observe not even just the world around you, but yourself. I mean, when you go through all of
6: your writing, you're kind of... It wasn't of until this room that I even knew there were other people. <laughs> 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 to be honest, that's how self-absorbed I am. And they all seem delightful. Yeah they are. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this more. <laughs> <Yeah>. You've gotta <laughs> you start got. and mingle. <laughs> <laughs> but when
1: when uh Mad About You hit and it was such a you know big hit, suddenly this life that you have that you're kinda going along like other people and you're talking about it, your life is suddenly I guess different than most of them. you're being you're being recognized places and
6: Yeah, uh changed things. But I um e- yeah, I remember one of the most gratifying things was, my wife is a shrink, and so, and I heard this actually from, from other shrinks, that people would come in there, and, and when the show was on, and it's and just taking taken off, people would come in and they would talk about their relationship in terms of, oh, the, uh, there was this episode of Mad About You, and that guy, you know, he seemed really very sensitive, and my wife said had to, obviously can't <laughs> divulge, anything, and she'd go... But she's thinking. Trust <laughs> me, he's not that. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, <laughs> it's television. <laughs> um, but it, there was, there, it was that was exciting to me. That that uh, and gratifying. That, mm-hmm. that, like again, that you put something out there that people respond to. Yes, because it's funny. It's so all yeah. But th- that there's something that's ringing true to them, and they go to it.
1: And then, of course, that thing too is. Maybe if you would have cast anyone but Helen Hunt, you might not have had that. I mean, no matter what you're doing or how great the writing is, yeah. something yeah, something works. special. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something works between you guys. Yeah,
6: yeah. I mean, that was you know a fortuitous thing, and and, and I had met her just when we had, I think yeah, I just finished the writing the pilot. I I met her socially. She was a friend of my mm-hmm. wife's friend, and I thought, wow, there's something very funny and and perfect about her, and and uh, it it just it just worked, and that she was. Funny and smart and, and you know great. And, and uh, you're right, if we had gone with my original choice, Tallulah Bankhead, <laughs> I was not going to I see that now. That was crazy.
1: Although the oldest guy here just laughed. <laughs> Everyone was Tallulah T- Bank. Tallulah Bankhead. Yeah.
6: She was 97 <laughs> yes. at the time, uh, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Because you could be like 69 and go, who? <laughs> that was way back. <laughs> that was way back, but that is. Uh, that I do go back. Yeah, you do. I dig. But you, but that is the the most interesting thing is that you guys had this kind of chemistry, where it almost got uncomfortable seeing you you people that with anyone else. If you <laughs>
6: see her, yeah, I would get something to be out with my wife. You yeah. go, that's not your wife. No, it really, actually is. <laughs> She's not blonde. blonde. You're Just ruining your our illusion. Yes, ruining <laughs> the illusion. But uh, yes. When that show
1: was done is when you decided to just kick back for a while when that
6: show was over i i said yeah uh, i i'm going to uh, kick back and and i w- i was fortunate enough that that you know that I was able to and and uh had a uh I had one son, then we had uh, another mm-hmm. son, and I was, and I was, and I said, again, was like, in, in, I was in mm-hmm. the book, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be different than my dad who was always working. I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home. This is going to be great for the kids. And then you find out a couple of years later, you know, my son said to me, you're home an awful lot. Why <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> you go out in the world, give some other people a chance at you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we get you now. We get the hang of it. <laughs> get out there in the world. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was for the sort of last, you know, 10 years. I was doing, I was writing and producing mm-hmm. stuff, but I wasn't really, um... Looking, <laughs> that driven to do stuff. I mean, what's fun is 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 getting response from people, whether it's writing something that works or or going out and performing. But um, but I wasn't really, you know, I w- I was content. But the, and the irony is that the stuff of what this book came is like only came because I got to sit back and yeah. wasn't working it. And and if I was really, you know, when I try to write, it it often doesn't come. But letting it percolate for a while helps
1: do you always have it in the back of your mind that okay i'm living my life now and here i am with the kids and i'm kind of not working but this is all stories for later like
6: yeah you know there's you always know? a part like oh that might be funny but mm-hmm. you know write that down a- and uh yeah that part of the brain always working it used to be when mad about you was on and and, and it was you know so parallel to my life to my life at the time used to get into this argument with my wife because we'd be in the middle of a, you know, a heated moment arguing something and she'd see my, I, my eyes would glaze over and she'd go, okay, write it down, okay, go, <laughs> go, 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 just write it down, but then come back and fight with me. Yeah.
1: See, it's almost the opposite. I'm just sitting here thinking this. Your books are like the opposite of a reality show because you're actually taking reality and making them inter- in entertainment. Where the reality shows uh-huh. are, let's bring in entertainment to a real life. Like, let's bring a producer yeah. into the house and make some
6: changes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a funny thing with reality shows because they just do not look real. Mm-hmm. There's, I just, there's a, this show on HBO, uh, this movie on HBO the, about the original Lance, uh, the Loud family. Yeah. And uh, it was staggering. To It was a really well done movie, but it, the idea of that was the original reality show, I think at that time. It was it was almost scandalous. Like you're gonna bring cameras yeah. and you're gonna let people act and, and that the, and that they actually um, learned to relax and actually be themselves mm-hmm. is is mind boggling to me that anybody would do that. Why would you bring a camera into your life? Who does that?
1: <laughs> it seems like every third American now. <laughs>
6: but it, that that movie's great too because like right from the
1: the beginning it's corrupted. Reality yes, is yes. corrupted because immediately the producer is going, "What's the m- right, greatest... And thing? how do
6: we manipulate it yeah. to the best uh, dramatic effect? Yeah, yes, but that's the, that's the truth. You, you know, life is interesting. Life is great, but you if you. It's like an experiment, you know, in a lab. Mm-hmm. If you put too many lights on it, then it's, well, now you killed the frog. Yeah. It's like, we want to see how the frog responds in darkness. Okay, put the lights on and let's watch it. <laughs> well, no, he's not dark anymore.
1: <laughs> Albert Brooks did that great movie back, I guess, in Yeah, the late that was before that whole, th- that was even before that.
6: Yeah. Uh, real life, yeah.
1: And he was the night, like, it was almost like he just predicted that everyone, I yeah. you know. Yeah, he's we'll leave here. Good. We'll take everybody out. and We'll go see it like Oprah does. When she <laughs> takes everyone to the theater. We'll all go together. To that, sure. <laughs> you are easy to kidnap. You are.
6: We can just I take have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I used. To, I. You know. I, this is this is dangerously true because <laughs> in LA there are these. I guess I guess they have me here too. But they, when, there were certain areas when like, when you drive past a theater, there are you know uh, parking lots with guys mm-hmm. outside. Park here. Park here. You know they like two blocks away. And so I'm just driving home. I'm not even going anywhere. And I'll, the guy says, park here. Okay. And I start parking. I'm, well, he said, park there. And he seemed really eager to have me. And I have to stop myself. No, you don't, you're not going to the theater. You're going home, idiot. I'm very impressionable. Sign here, okay. Sure, sure. This is great. Why would they ask me unless it was good for me?
1: <laughs> you just don't swim against the tide.
6: Why would just I? <laughs> <laughs> it's so much harder. <laughs> swim with the tide. <laughs> oh, but I, I, I uh, yeah, it, it's it's dangerous. I, so, and and now, and I see, you know, as I get older, the mm-hmm. mind goes even further. Just, mm-hmm. you have to lock onto something. I, was when I Actually, when I was a kid, when, when I was a kid, my kids were kids. When, I, when they were very young, and I would really just be, you know, babysitting, I would have to, I, I knew enough to know, really focus. You are in charge. Your wife is gone out of the house now. You're in charge of the baby. And I would, so I would just stare at the kid because I'd go, you know what? If I don't work this hard on taking care of him, I'll just I'll watch TV. I'll be gone. I'll, the phone will ring. I'll be out the door. Oh, geez, I had a kid. I, was, I, was taking, I would, So I would just get very intense and stare at him. And, I, and then it kind of didn't stop because they'll be f- five or six and go, Dad, you're just staring at me. Like, I know, I just, I, I just want to make sure you're on I, point. I, I, yes, I, I want to make sure you don't walk into a wall or get stolen.
1: Well, it just proves like how bad men are with their <laughs> children. That we, st- I do the same thing. I'll call it babysitting.
6: It's <laughs> your kid. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, but it doesn't come naturally <laughs> Listen, there, it's, it's, it, there's a genetic thing. it comes. Certain things come naturally. <coughs> to women, certainly, I'm going to say childbirth. Gonna go out on a limb. <laughs> it seems to be something they do. I don't know, guys. Don't care. We'll do it. Um, I mean, I was astounded. You know, from the moment my first son was born, that my wife knew what she was doing. You know, it's yeah. an animalistic thing. It's like, how do you know how to do that? I'm a woman, okay. And guys do not. And and uh, you know, they're clumsy and they learn. It doesn't mean you can't be get good at it, and, and, you know, and I I'd like to think I'm a better father than I was <laughs> in the first week yeah. when I changed my kid's diaper and I, the thing was a little too tight and I yanked it and, I, and punched him in the nose. I went, <laughs> okay, I don't know much, but that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to punch a newborn. Um, but uh, yeah, you have, and and I know I know myself enough to know that I'm, I get easily distracted or spaced out. <laughs> that's like okay, make a note. <laughs> You're on duty. Um, but yeah, we, you know, there's a there's a thing in, in a chapter in the book about um, my friends and guys. We we talked about this last time. Like when you have kids uh, as an adult guy, your friends are not of your own choosing. You get assigned people because their kids go to school with your kids, or their wives are friends with your wives, and. I, these guys that I've only be recently become I've become I think a better able to be a better friend than I was 10, 15 years ago because we would start talking about you know you're talking about kids and, and for me like I would talk to a buddy in, like whose kid was struggling in school and I'd go oh wow you know what I wasn't going to say anything but my kid's been having a problem and it's like oh what a relief to be actually talk and mm-hmm. I shared this with my wife and go are you an idiot? Of course. How would you not talk to? How do you? How do you? How do you manage to not talk to friends all these years about anything of substance? I don't know. It never came up. <laughs> what do you usually talk about? Nothing. I, women uh, do that very instinctively. Women will open up their hearts and they'll talk to their friends. And they'll get very intimate and and deep. Guys would you know. A dream thing would be to go to a ball game with a guy and not talk for two hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then maybe
6: somebody will fall down. You'll both laugh, and that'll yeah, right now get a bit out of it. That's the end of the day. <laughs> yes, and at the end of the ball game, uh, you'll go. Oh, jeez, I got a kid in the car, don't I?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so isn't it funny too? Is like the the people that you become friends with. It's only because you're children. Yeah, friends. Uh, yes. You have nothing else really in common besides <laughs> yeah.
6: that. But yeah, and, and sometimes that can be enough. But yeah, you don't uh, you don't always get to. Uh, you get assigned. You, you you get assigned kids because your life becomes very much uh, about kids, which is, I can't quite imagine, I can see it coming, but you know, 10 years down the road when kids grow up and they're out of the house, it's like, wow, now what? Because so I've been pretty much <laughs> involved with them. So uh, I guess you just look at your wife and go, so uh, how are you? I've spoken <laughs> to you since 87. <laughs> What's going on? Still married? Uh, and that's what, you know, people are
1: uh, shocked about the Schwar- Schwarzenegger's, uh, you know, separating. But what else is there left for him to do? They're done now. They, he's been the governor. They raised a family. What is all, all right. To do? See you later. So, what do you think they're going to do now, by the way? What,
6: you, what are they going to do now?
1: I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I <laughs> will. This it would be a really funny show to bring
6: them in and yes, it would be. will be a good get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get them in and do like uh, couples counseling or something.
1: Now, with your kids, most of, of your real career stuff came before. Uh, they were born. I mean, the, the yeah. stuff that you're most known the, for. They, the, yeah, no idea. So that they're totally kind of
6: somewhat. My, my 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 little guy was born after Mad About You, and when he was seven or eight, and he saw me, you know, and I, I say I was so happy being home, so proud of myself for being hands-on dad. And one day he just said, "What do you do? I I, I see you here every day, but what do you do? <laughs> Mom goes to work. Don't you have some place to be?" And um, yeah, well, actually, it's funny because my uh, friend of mine said uh, he wanted to. Uh, apparently the Blu-ray of uh, of Aliens just came out. He said, well, hey, why don't we all watch it at my house and you bring the kids. And I think, well, they've never seen that. And like, I, I, A, it might be too scary for the little guy anyway. Right. And I thought, on the other hand, uh, I want to show the kids. I, I, I used to be in something. <laughs> <laughs> I was once in something. This this, this movie made money. <laughs> so big dilemma now. We have to figure out.
1: And that that is another strange thing, too, that most of us don't have to, you know, or get to see... Stuff from our fathers when they were younger. We don't know what our dad was like <laughs> in his early 20s. Where your kids could sit down and watch Diner one day and go, Yeah. And I go, I why? thought the part would have been bigger. <laughs> 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 yeah,
6: I can see why you're not on the poster, Pop. <laughs> you weren't really involved, were you? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. They, they, they uh, they, they're, they're, they're sort of catching up and it, it amuses them when, yeah. I, when I'll get recognized and I go really you're somebody but you know it's, I've actually spoken to like big guys big famous people yeah. who, and, and the, the one equalizer is your children so uh, the biggest guys in the world yeah. whose who's kids still go oh dad would you stop that but I'm Bruce Springsteen yeah okay but you know just dad <laughs> yes. stop you're embarrassing us really it doesn't matter how big you get <laughs> there's a kid at home going dad you're just embarrassing me <laughs> <laughs> that embarrassment factor is I, I, I underestimated I remember it as a kid uh, the powerful, how powerfully, in, horrifically you could be embarrassed yeah. by, but your parents just showing up. They don't have to say it. They're just yeah. don't be alive now. <laughs> <laughs> with my friends. Yes. Why would you be alive? And I said, Well, I'm gonna never do that. I'll never embarrass my kids. I embarrass them almost hourly. Then again, <laughs> sometimes I say something stupid. Sometimes I, I just, I, I, I exist. Mm. And they, they do a little rolling eye thing. I'm going. When did you learn that exactly? The, the petulant. Oh, Dad. <laughs> Oh, just get out, and uh, there's nothing I can do. And now i want learned to accept. I go, you know what? You're just gonna. My, my friend was telling me, he's at a ball game, and and he's and uh, his kids' little league game, and the kid texts him, Dad, bring me a Gatorade. I forgot to bring. So he goes on the field, and and he, she brings me Gatorade to the house. <laughs> he bring to the goes to the field, and goes over to the bench, and he gives him. And he can't wait. Get away. Go get away, get away. Would you ask for the Gatorade? Yeah. Yo, you go, well, how can I physically get <laughs> into you <laughs> without being alive? I have to be, a, yeah, but not in front of my friends. But you are
2: <laughs>
6: Invisibility. Maybe that's yeah. a new thing. If we could just be invisible and just send, like, you know, Gatorade and sweaters. Well, what, what, are, do you, you
1: remember the same thing when you were a kid that you were embarrassed yeah. about your parents? Yeah, well,
6: I, I, you know, and it's, it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, uh, like a lobster when they molt and they, they get rid of one shell. It's like, it's, you, 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 you know, yeah, adolescents do that and your kids, it come out of a shell and like but when the shell is off I'm very raw don't don't be standing right there mm. so again i'm just the only way to get out of that not <laughs> embarrassed that's just I'll, I'll stay in a motel till the 30 <laughs> i'll just be elsewhere
1: uh, how do they feel about the books and all of
6: it? To them, it's a terrific coaster. <laughs> <laughs> they put a cup of juice on it without staining the table. Could never care less. Because that would involve them caring about somebody yeah. besides themselves, and they, that's not their thing.
1: But one <laughs> day, you just picture them in a therapist's
6: office. Let me read you oh, this. Oh, yeah, this, By the way, it makes therapy so much quicker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Doc, read this, get back to me. Now you know exactly what <laughs> you Yeah, thought I've of laid me. it out for
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I've done that.
6: I've made it a less expensive process. And, and they'll be, they'll be telling
1: their kids, like, uh, all right, be careful, there's uh, grandfatherhood is coming out in <laughs> a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, I can't get out of the hood thing, by the way.
6: I, I, I tried very hard to call this on something else, and the publishers went, no, yeah, we like the hood. It seems <laughs> to do. you sold millions of books with a hood. We're going to make this uh, some another hood. I said, well, it's about family. Familyhood, done, sold. <laughs> all right, I guess, because I, I, could, I couldn't come up with anything more clever. Well, next one would just be about how many books they've written. It would be called Hood Hood. <laughs> <laughs> the story of how these books were written. Coming
1: soon, Hood Hood. That's right. <laughs> uh Thanks so much for sitting what down a pleasure, with us. Thank, uh, you. Thank
3: you. Where do you get such nice people?
6: These are your people. Wow. These are people here. Can I take you. them with me? Yes. Um, because I'll be honest, when I, when I come home at night, there's not this kind of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just to show my family, this is what it's like when people are happy to see you.
1: That would be a night, instead of doing a reality show, it could be a reality sitcom where it's just your regular
6: house, but you've got chairs and <laughs> <laughs> let, let the audience decide. Yeah, here's something, you know, a detail we have to think through. At some point, they might say, we have lives of our own. <laughs> oh. I, I don't know what we do then, but but for that first half hour, it'll be dynamite. Looking at them, I doubt that. No, very much. i <laughs> <laughs> All right, great, Paul Reiser, everybody. <laughs> hey! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Paul Reiser, there you go.
2: All right. I'm gonna
0: talk about my. It's the best of the Ron and Fez show.
1: Uh, this says, dear Ron. I mean, dear Ron and Dave. I mean, dear Ron and Rat, Fez. Love the Salmon Burke interview. As always, Ron, you're the best. You have to admit, though, when considering Salmon Burke's career, no matter how much you like the guy and his awesome-ass band, he is still number three. Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, and Salmon Burke. There's little dispute, right? So here's my question. Ron and Fez, who are the quintessential number threes of all time? Sports, music, movies, etc. Well... You know, I was uh, trying to say this. Out of the 60s, The Who would be the number three. And I don't think they've ever climbed out of that number three spot. But you got The Beatles and The Stones, and then much further below, The Who. Am I wrong about that one, Chris Stanley?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe it, even there might be even four, because Zeppelin came around. Well, no, that's the 70s. 70s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the in 60s, the, yeah.
1: Yeah, by the time you got to the 70s, the Who were probably the third. Um, but definitely the third of... And by the way, I was doing the English bands mm-hmm. that were coming over. The the English uh, bands that swept across the, with the big English evasion. Um, let's go uh, number threes for anything. Fez. Who would be a real number three in your field?
5: I think a real number three would probably be the San Francisco 49ers of all time great franchises mm-hmm. behind Pittsburgh and Dallas.
1: You wouldn't put the Miami Dolphins above them? No. No. Uh,
5: was that two titles, I think?
1: Two or um, three? I thought they had three titles. Maybe they only had two. But they did have the undefeated season. Only had two. All right. So you're because they're a four. You're going to put them there.
5: Yeah, I'm going to put San Francisco behind Pittsburgh and Dallas in the NFL greatest teams, greatest franchises.
1: All right. I like that one. What if we were to uh, go baseball? I'd say, and let's bring Scruff in for this one, but I think first got to go Yankees. Second, you've got to go Dodgers. And then the number three team, and often overlooked and never brought up as far as franchises would go, I would pick the St. Louis Cardinals as number three. Scruff, what's your feelings on that?
7: I think the Cardinals are a solid spot. The problem is that they're never going to get that kind of uh, talk now. Even with Pujols and the World Series just a few years ago. But we're ago, talking they about oh,
1: all-time franchise. I would put them down as the number three franchise all time.
7: I think that's decent. Yeah, mm. behind you, I, Yankees obviously won. I think St. Louis is perfect at three.
1: Yeah, perfect at three. I right, we're talking about the positive number threes now. If we went into basketball, you're going to go Boston Celtics number one, Lakers number two. Who would be your all-time third franchise?
7: I think it's tough to go against, even though it was only one decade. Though that Bulls team makes up for the rest of the, the franchise's thing as a number three. Because they've only had one great decade, but it was uh-huh. like the best. I mean, except for the eight straight, but from the Celtics, yeah, uh, it was the best decade. Who else would be above them? I mean, who else do you think? I be can't them?
1: think of another franchise that would put up them. I know, Fez, you're a big Golden State Warriors <laughs> fan. Always, but I'm I'm going to disagree there. It's really
7: uh, I, it's really tough to say in terms of championships. You got to go Bulls behind it. Celtics and Lakers. Obviously, one and two. It's a good one because yeah. that's definitely an obvious one and two. And then the three is kind of, uh, you know, up for grabs. Guys, doing the a Fez show.
0: Yeah, hey, guys. Um, I just had a question, Says he with football, about putting Dallas ahead of San Francisco. San
8: Francisco is the only team with that many appearances to be undefeated in the Super Bowl.
1: Uh, but Dallas has one more uh, championship. Right. And you're falling into that Bulls thing where you really only have the one great decade for San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Dallas has popped up time and time again. And uh, so, uh, if anything, um, before San Francisco... I might fight a little bit and say the Packers because the Packers, and I know you're not a pre Super Bowl guy, right? But they dominated the '60s. Yeah, they dominated the '60s.
7: If you're talking about pre Super Bowl two, I mean, you have to, you know, really, Chicago. really, Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious uh, that they were so good for so long, and right. then once the Super Bowl era hit, that was really the end of their great period. But if you're looking at, if you're, you know, going pre Super Bowl, Packers and Bears are definitely in the top two or three. Mm. Uh, Nolan, Nolan, you're on Running Fez. We're talking about the. Hey, you think Dodge is like number three behind uh, Chevy and
0: Ford?
1: Uh, here is. Uh, I'm not talking to him. Um, Will, Will, you're on Running Fez.
0: Hey, buddy. Uh, I actually had called in the first day, uh, loving Fez this week. Been a lot of fun. Second, I wanted to disagree with you when you said that uh, Fezzy went over the line. This show is full of people who have enjoyed their association with the show, but then they pout like fucking babies. When they get caught up in it, Franklin, Franklin, Franklin.
1: Yeah, very, very true. Uh, Thomas Sherman Fez.
0: Uh, Happy Memorial
8: Day weekend, boys. What do you got for me? I'd say the Buffalo Bills when they were losing all those Super Bowls because you knew the NFC Championship was the winner, so they were third.
1: Um, I'm going to say no to that because again, they only had the one decade. And you've got to be a winner yourself.
7: If you're talking about that time period, then, then maybe, yeah, they would be a definite We're number They're dying in all time. But that's, they're not even in the talk for all time. That's ridiculous. Rich,
1: right. uh, you're Fez.
0: I want to know what you felt about
1: the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the Red Legs would be number four uh, behind the cards. Yeah. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, six, six, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Six, six, Eddie, Eddie, you're Fez. Hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. I was thinking NHL. you got to go Montreal, Detroit.
7: And
1: then who? Maybe the Islanders? Um, what about Toronto over an all-time franchise?
7: Ooh, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are definitely one and two. I, I think Toronto would have to be three. Edmonton only had the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Toronto's probably a good pick. Maybe cool. the, the Bruins had a lot of great teams, but not enough championships.
1: The Bruins were really big there in, what, the 60s or something like yeah,
7: that? Yeah, 60s, early 70s as well. Uh, MJ, you're on fez.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? I got Tony Bennett at number three behind Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, all-time uh,
1: Italian uh, po- uh, lounge singers. You agree? Oh boy, that really is tough because there is so many great ones. Uh, it would be real hard, though, not because I, I don't know if I would put Dean Martin as number two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Tony Bennett looks like a solid three. If we're playing the game of threes, who's the third? Um, he it's really really tough not to uh, have Tony Bennett there. Uh, Tom, Tom, you on the run of fez show? Hey, how
0: you doing, boys? Um, for basketball, it's got to be number three. The Detroit the Detroit Pistons. They got Isaiah and the recent stuff. I mean, that's their legacy.
7: You know, I don't know about that. Detroit really only had a, a few great years, and then Isaiah got hurt, and they were done. I, I don't know <laughs> if they're, they're a, a definite number three.
0: They were beating the those Bulls
7: teams before the Bulls got to where they were. Absolutely, yeah, they and were. The Bulls got there and won six championships, dude. Yeah, it's
1: tough to fight <laughs> against those six uh, championships. Uh, Rick, Rick, Rickerman man Fez, Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, top three in uh,
0: radio. Ronnie B., Eastside Dave, Fez
5: Watley. See ya. All right, that's only if I'm driving Dale Senior's car. am my number three, my friend.
1: You're really in a cranky mood today.
5: Yes, because good deeds got punished.
1: Well, you did have somebody stick up for you.
5: That's true. Baby girl did.
1: Which is fantastic. We're on our way to, I believe, Fezzy, a whole new era of everybody being friends again. Uh, here is um, uh, here's Dan. Dan Yarman Fez. Yeah,
0: I got a sports CT bomb for you. First of all, great pick on the Reds at number four. Thank you. Uh, sport Beachy Bond. 2010 Olympic torch for Vancouver's Olympics. Looks mm-hmm. just like a joint.
1: Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, Luke, Luke, you're on a hey,
8: hey, YB. i uh, got to say I have to take issue with you uh, putting the Cardinals at number
0: three. If uh, we're looking at championships, uh, they're at number two.
1: No, we're not. We're looking at all-time franchises. And it really, just like we were saying before, uh, with Green Bay... Uh, and even Chicago have more championships, but then that modern era catches up with them
7: yeah. a little bit. And it, St. Louis, you know, for the consistency, they've had some down periods, right. some serious down <clears throat> but periods.
1: But they're a great franchise.
7: Oh, no question. I mean, yeah. they
1: are really an unsung franchise. Uh, Rich, you're on the Run of Fez show.
5: Hey, fizzy.
0: Uh Number three all-time pro wrestler. What do you think?
5: All-time, uh, my number three there is going to be Hulk Hogan. What? Is number three. Hulk
1: Hogan is not the number one all-time pro wrestler? No. Uh, Number
5: one is going to be Andre the Giant. Andre. Yeah. What? And two will be Flair.
1: Mm. I'm going to go different from you there, Fez. Number one, I'm going to give it to Hulk Hogan. Number two, Bruno San Martino. And number three, I'm going to give it to the one, two, three kid. The man I call six-pack.
5: I right, just because he had three in his name he, uh, at one point doesn't mean he should be third.
1: Who else would be the one-two-three <laughs> kid? Um, here is um, Anthony. Anthony, you're on the Runaway Show.
0: Hey there, boys. Uh, World War Two. Uh, Germany's one, Japan's two. Italy is three.
1: I'm gonna say this. Italy's a distant three,
7: not even close.
1: Not I don't even, even think close. they were that into it. I know if. They had Mussolini, but mm-hmm. other than that, they were just, it was all about fashion. They
7: had the figurehead, right. and that was it. They yeah. didn't have the military size, they didn't have any of the big battles. What was their front? Ethiopia? Yeah. So, all right. And you they got
1: their ass kicked. Uh huh. And then after that, was all home games. You know, Sicily. Right. Shit like that.
5: Not marching across Europe or taking on Russia on that front or China.
1: No. They were basically just saying to uh, Hitler, we're with you.
7: And then on the other side, you'd have to put even though they got invaded that fast. Uh, France is number three, right? On the other for the Allies, because All right, you got go. England uh, or U.S. wasn't there at the beginning though.
1: So uh, I'm going to put USA number one because you want not going to get a win behind us. Number two, uh, Russia. Number oh.
7: three, England. Ooh, ridiculous! England. Russia's had so many men. It was. I it mean, was if insane. you look at who did the most damage. It was us and Russia. And who got the most damage? The casualties in Russia were more than all the other countries combined.
1: Yeah, but a lot of that came from Stalin himself. (laughs) He was doing a lot of shit, bringing stuff up. Um, Here, let's go over here to uh, Tom. Tom, we're talking about the all-time number three.
0: Number three superhero, Spider-Man. Superman, Batman, Spider-Man.
1: Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. Any problem with that, Fez?
0: I have to
5: agree with that one.
1: I am going to go a little different here. Batman number 1, uh Superman number 2, Spider-Man number 3. I think Superman has lost any fucking heat that he had in his past. I think he's yesterday's news and he's a fucking number 2 with a sinker.
7: Yeah, but tradition, I don't think you can go anywhere but Superman for number 1. He's the America he is the American icon with a cape.
1: Wait, brother, he's not even an American. He's a fucking alien. <laughs> you take Bruce Wayne Born and raised in Gotham City.
7: Well Gotham City's Amer- own. He fought for the American way, but they took that out. He didn't even He's do a that anymore. A- oh,
1: all right, then number one, E. T. Uh <laughs> number two <laughs> not a superhero. Those fucking really uh, skinny things uh that were uh in close encounters and number three district nine. District nine is <laughs> well, now the number three fucking superhero <laughs> because on. we've turned our backs on humans. You better stick with your fucking species, my friend.
7: You're a self-hating human being, Scruffy. I guess you've convinced. Me. No, 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 screw it. Superman's still one for me. I don't care if he's not American. Uh here is um Mike, Mike Merrifield.
0: Hey, uh, yeah, number 3 in golf's pretty tough. I'm, I'm going to guess Arnold Palmer or Bobby Jones. Let's
7: Wait. see. Tiger throws a whole nother curveball into all Well Jack Nicholas
1: number one, right? Definitely, right? To, no question. Is Arnold still number two, or is Tiger moved up?
7: I would say Tiger, then Arnold. I, I think Tiger definitely has to do it, because there's no question that, in terms of the long run, right, he's no, going to be longer.
1: We're not taking Arnold Palmer and put him anywhere but a bronze medal. I mean, you tell me he's not finishing for the fucking money that I'm walking out of this fucking show, and fuck Bobby Jones and everybody you've ever met in your life. <laughs> because I'm not, seriously, this would no longer be a show I want to do.
7: Bobby Jones was flat-out unbeatable in his time period. Then let's though. move
1: him to number one. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But I'm not taking Arnold out of the fucking top three. I don't live in that kind of world.
7: Iconic golfers, he's definitely a three. It definitely goes Jack Whew. Tiger. Oh, thank you. Uh,
1: Chad, you're on fez. <laughs>
0: hey, Ronnie. Uh, all-time singer's number three, Elvis.
1: Uh, give me one and two.
0: I'm picking Beatles, number one, uh, Stones, two. you drunk.
1: Okay, you know what? Why don't you do this? Number three drunk of all time you. <laughs> Number one, baby snoots. Number two, grown-up snoots. Three, you. Even though, literally, because until I uh, talked to my copyright attorney, um, I can't even bring up the name anymore. I just have to call him baby S. Uh, which I'm worried people are going to think I'm saying shit. Eric, you're on the Run-A-Face show.
0: What's up, guys? Hey, for songwriters, I got paranoid, one, two is uh, Sleeves, and three is Bobo. First Bobo. Mm.
1: Uh, Bobo got his hand grabbed one time by Kenny and has never <laughs> forgiven us. He has never... Uh, here's what happened. And it's really something I thought would blow over, uh-huh. but it did not. Um, Bobo attempted to choke Anthony, uh, Opie out at a... Uh, unmasked in D.C. He just got, jumped up and in the middle of the show, he ran towards Opie attempting to choke him. Uh, Kenny turned on a dime and heroically uh, squeezed Bobo's wrist until Bobo cried. <laughs> Bobo later told us he has titanium in his wrist. He's not 100% human. So we went, Bobo, stopped acting like a baby and stopped touching people during the show. Um, and then he never again uh, has had anything. I think we saw him once since then.
5: Right, yeah, that was it. But you would think with titanium in there, it wouldn't hurt. Mm. Kind of like Wolverine or something.
1: Uh, hey, Bob Plug, you're on my it's me, Fezzy. Hey, Fuzzy, how you doing that? I'd love a sandwich. Well I'll try to get you some is this really Fuzzy?
0: It's me, Fuzzy.
1: I already asked you that. Of course I am. I see so you fog- you stink at this. You've got the soundboard but you stink. Um talk time. let's go over here. Uh Ron, Ron, you're on the Ron and Fez show.
0: Yeah, number three cities. New York, LA and then what?
1: Well, th- oddly enough, the number three city is second city, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, number one city is New York, and it's staying that way. Number two, um, and it's really hard to call it a city because it's just a really large suburb uh, with uh, decent weather and uh, hot runaway girls would be number two, and in Chicago... Uh, home home, Molly's Cupcakes, number three. Second city is our third city.
7: Population, Fourth. culture, everything is
1: yeah. number three. Uh, well, culture, if we were doing
7: culture... Oh, LA is like 10, you're right.
1: Yeah, I'd put LA down, I would uh-huh. go to New York. Then I would go over to uh, San Francisco for two. And then, shockingly, I'd go Boston third. Woo! Wow. Woo! Followed by a very distant mm-hmm. Chicago... And then, believe it or not, Athens, Georgia. Birthplace <laughs> of R.E.M. They will be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, they will. Uh, here is uh, Alec. Alec, you're running fez.
0: Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, number three, Tarantino films. It's got to go Kill Bill, number three, uh, Pulp Fiction, and then number one, has got to be Reservoir Dogs.
1: Well, I know the cool thing to say is Reservoir Dogs, but fucking face facts. Pulp Fiction's number one. Uh, number two? Res Dogs,
7: number three. You ha- you have to count the two Kill Bills as separate flicks, right? Yeah, you do. Right. I might be picking Jackie Brown.
1: I think I'm gonna go Jackie Brown.
7: I got Which, the first Kill Bill definitely.
1: The first. See, I preferred the second. Really? Mm-hmm. It was talkier. Yeah. It. And it had LLM that speech. That fucking Bill speech is one of my favorite speeches of all time in the movies. Uh, by the way, the. Uh, in, Inglorious Bastards, mixed reviews, although Anical News loved it. Uh, showed up at the Cannes Film Festival. Talking number threes with Mr. Al Dukes. Al Dukes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, you thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. I was trying to think uh, top three musicians from Jersey. I would go Springsteen, Bon Jovi, Sinatra.
1: See, I would go uh, Springsteen. Bon Jovi, but then the bass player from the Ashbury Jukes <laughs> has shown me a lot over the years. Hmm. We're having a party. Uh, you gotta put, and I, think, and I think if we were being totally honest here, uh, Al, and you asked Bon Jovi and you asked Springsteen, they would put Sinatra's number one.
0: Yeah, but we only all know that one song, New York, New York. Other than that, what else has he done, really? Well, That's he's had know?
1: more number one hits than anybody else.
0: <laughs> we we just played
1: them. Summer Win in today's show, and the song's 60 years old, and everybody was bopping their fucking head back and forth.
0: If I could do one more... we're my you-
1: baby. One more for the road.
0: Yeah, um, where would you rank the uh, top three Ron and Fez producers of all time? Would I be three? I would say Dave, number one.
1: No, Dave is not number one. Number one is Chris Stanley from a producing point of view. Okay.
0: Woo! Thanks,
1: There's no one and even close to him. Number Dave. two, I would say uh, some belly button lint that fell out of Fez. <laughs> okay. All right. And well, number the three, tallest. I think, is going to be the man nobody forgets, Billy Staples. Billy Staples. Oh.
0: <laughs> it's going to be great.
1: Um, but you definitely, in the list of all-time producers, Al, you yeah. would be on a list definitely because you were right, technically one.
0: I was, right.
1: Until Rory beat you up and made you leave. Well,
0: it was a technical knockout, really.
1: Um, Al, how's everything going in your life? Oh, things
0: are going swell. Mm. Everything's going well at the fan.
1: You still and, doing uh, terrestrial, huh?
0: Uh yeah, terrestrial AM radio even. Wow, I'm really old school. Yeah, you're you going <laughs> back a ways. AM radio is where it's at.
1: All right, who is the biggest uh, sports star you met there at the fan?
0: Uh, well, Dallas Strawberry was big for me. I heard him on your program also. Yeah,
1: he goes, he does everything. And by the way, is he still high in my line there?
0: Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell. He's very tall in person, which throws me yeah, off. So yeah, it It's insane.
1: not hard to tell for me. He came in here and slurred, but because he was on this fucking junket, I couldn't say what
0: was on my mind. But <laughs> I, mean, I just wanted to
1: say, come on, brother, who are you fucking kidding?
0: For a week there, we were sharing guests. You had Ron Darling. We had Ron Darling. It was... Uh, it was. They
1: brought up Hernandez, and I go, "What am I going through the 80s fucking Mets? Is this it? <laughs> if this was 86, I'd have the biggest fucking sports show
0: in history. But it's 09. Yeah, I think we recently had um, Davey Johnson on, because he was coaching that oh <laughs> <laughs> the area, the New York area, still loves their eighty-six match. Coming up next,
1: it's uh, Nails stopping by, <laughs> talking to us. Well, it is the
5: twenty-third anniversary of the team, so that's always bigger than that. That's always a big one that you want to observe
1: and celebrate. Alva, have you got yourself married yet?
0: I have not, no. Unfortunately, um, I'm not. Uh, my relationship ended recently, so I'm a single man right now. Wow! Again.
1: Yeah, I have got the perfect person for
0: you. Oh yeah? Who
1: is it? Frenchie. I remember you always well, used to have a little crush on her.
0: Not really. I think she's mostly badmouthed today. I think she liked Rory.
1: Well she did in those days, but that's only because uh, you know, you were known as a guy who let's say didn't have a lot of stamina in the sack, I know I, you, you came on that girl's sweater by accident.
0: Well that was so long ago,
5: yeah. And never right, paid at for the time. it.
1: Um, So you're looking for somebody, huh, Al? Yes, I am. Yeah. You know what I would like to do? I'd like to do a reunion night at Florio's. Me, you, Al, uh, Billy Staples, and uh, Rory. Oh, that would be cool. And we all All go out. Yeah, Yeah, we all go. You're in? Yeah. Yeah, we'll all go out. We'll have uh, some pastas, some cigars, and uh, drinks. It'll be a good time.
5: All right, we got Duke's. Yeah, we got Dukes in. Like, yeah. I was worried about that RSVP. Well, actually,
1: that, after that, Rory works upstairs, and he's in. Right. And then Billy Staples has been asking to do a reunion forever. So, do we have your uh, number, uh, Al? Yeah, you do. All right, do you have it, Fez?
5: Yeah, I should have it. All Let right. me read it off to make sure it's the right one. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um of the air.
1: All right, uh, Al, we'll talk to you soon, buddy.
0: Okay. But- Take care
1: i got to bust his balls not because he's a competition, but he really was a hysterical fucking <laughs> producer. He used to make the audience... This is before your time. He used to make the audience so fucking angry. And the New York audience, it, it, they're not like you fucking people. You're nice people. You call in and you say nice things. Al got on the phone one time. Or Al was on with us. I got him to admit that if a baby fell in the East River... And started floating that Al would not dive in after. And he goes, No, I'm not gonna risk my life for a baby. The fucking New York callers were calling I will fucking kill you. I will fucking tear your lungs out and fucking shit in your fucking empty chest. The New York callers are the best there's ever fucking been. And that's why people are going, Yeah, the shit you did. No, it's the fucking callers are different. You're not gonna get people people going up going like this. Hi, I'm T-Bone. I think the Who's number three all time. <laughs> uh, T-Bone, you're on the Run of Fed show.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Who's, who's your all time
1: number three band?
0: I'm from New York. First off, and, and the, the Who doesn't belong in the, on number three.
1: On you know, the English
0: Invasion bands. Uh, yeah, of the English Invasion bands. Are you going, Kinks? The, the Kinks are three for one reason alone. Yeah. Not only well, first off, they had more hits in the '60s than the Who right. did. But let's do this. Secondly, they were banned from the United States for four years during the 60s. And
1: I I love the kinks. Uh, Not as much as Fat Opie, but I do love the kinks. (laughs) But if we go out on the street right now and ask people, kinks or who? And it's going to be 100 to 1, people picking the who. The, the Kings can't fucking draw flies these days. And the Who are going to sell at stadiums still with half the band dead.
7: Yeah, classic radio really grabbed onto the Who and has just stuck with them for years That's and true, years. Scott, it really does come to a
1: fucked up classic rock. And if you listen to the classic rock station in New York right now, it's no, listen, it, no different if you listen to a classic rock station in 81. They're still playing the same shit. The same 18 songs? <laughs> yes, the same 18 <laughs> songs. And for some reason, there's a pretty decent amount of people listening going like this. I fucking love this song. <laughs> Seriously, haven't heard this since yesterday. <laughs> Gonna be a blue-collar man. <laughs> fucking stupid are <laughs> people. Hey, I'm T-Bone. And I'm from New York. Fuck you. Uh, Drew, Drew, you're on Rana Fez.
8: Hey, Ronnie, uh, in your cities, cultural
0: cities, uh, you left out in New Orleans.
1: I'm looking above sea level. When I get to below <laughs> sea level, you're going to be there. Uh, here is uh, Jim. Jim, you're on the run of Fez show.
0: Why so
1: sensitive, Ronnie? <laughs> oh, God, Marco, you're on the run we got new interns. They're gonna let you the... want me to go back no. there on the phone? I want you to sit in here. <laughs> okay. You're doing very well, and I haven't talked basketball for, with you yet. Um... Here is, uh, Andrew. Andrew, you're on the run Show.
0: Hey, buddies! I got the top three secrets of all time. All
1: right, give me the third.
0: Who, who, uh, the third is Fez Watley's Unmentionable. Mm.
1: What would be number one and number two?
0: Who really shot John F. Kennedy, mm. and, uh, do aliens really exist in Area 51? <sighs>
1: I kind of like that right there. I like who killed J- JFK as the number one. Uh-huh. But when you move the World Some, some sites on uh paying for my daughter's college. You can the website. Walk you
7: through it. Step by step. It's easy to implement. She's going in, signing up,
1: choosing the colors, and cutting a piece. The online tools are fantastic. You guys can do all the tools we need to do it ourselves. there's always somebody at the end of the phone. We need
8: to get, get the
1: the website, so yeah, through think it, it, think it's it's to somebody. Oh, all right. Up, um... Fuck, I'm probably... It might be mushrooms. Number one is pepperoni. It's delicious. Number two is definitely going to be sausage. But what is the number three pizza topping all time? I think it's onions. Mm. I'm going to go a little crazy here. What if it's bacon in this day and age? What if bacon has moved its way up? Artichoke is one place. (laughs) Although spinach could be very high.
7: Individual <laughs> toppings is tough. Different pizzas, if you could say pepperoni uh, pizza, I mean sausage nuts. pizza, and veggie pizza. That would that would be easy. But
1: First of all, veggie pizza, I'll be like this. Then we're getting another pizza. <laughs> because if I wanted a fucking salad, I would just order one. That's the number three of all time, salad. The number three <laughs> order is salad. Um... Here is uh, Tim. Tim, you're on Rana Fez. Hey,
0: buddies. Uh, Top three serial killers, number three, BTK. Uh, Bundy and Dahmer, two and one.
1: I don't think BTK is that big. I think most people are still going to pick Charlie Manson, uh, even though he's not technically a serial killer. He's the king. And you'll know that if you watch uh, Oliver Stone's film, Natural Born Killers, starring a gentleman whose name shall not be spoken on the Rana Fez show.
0: Um...
8: Tony! Tony hey, to Fed Show. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're gonna do our all-time presidents. I would put GW of Washington, three, two would be Lincoln and one would be FDR.
1: Uh, I don't know if you can get bigger than George Washington. <coughs> He's still number one.
5: Right, father of the country and everything. Um Wow. Lincoln two feels is Lincoln. like a number one though.
1: Lincoln is all right. If you're going to go back and forth, it's going to be Lincoln and fucking Washington. We all agree to that, right? Right. Who's number three? Is it FDR?
7: I think it's FDR. I think FDR, yes, saved the country a lot like the other two presidents did. At least in in the history books, he did so.
1: You know, for a a pro-life person like myself, he's liberaled up this country so bad I can't (laughs) even see straight.
5: I think someone who could...
7: FDR run for his money at number three is Jefferson. Jefferson didn't even really believe in democracy. I me mean, he, he's a big nation. Me, me
1: neither, and that's why I love him.
7: We <laughs> doubled the size of the country. Yeah, Louisiana what Purchase this huge. You want
1: me to double the size of the country? I'll I don't fucking think you attack could. Canada tomorrow. I can do it in space, I'm not saying the population.
7: I, I, I think those are the four, uh, definitely. You got no Teddy Roosevelt for yourself? No, I think Teddy well, Roosevelt. In stigma, what, maybe. But.
1: Maybe you, want, you go out and take a look at Mount Rushmore, you come back to me
7: and tell me Teddy Roosevelt's a piece of shit. Am I retarded? How did they decide which guys went up on Mount Rushmore? Height. They picked the four <laughs> tallest guys.
1: Well, what do you want to say? Is there cannon size? up there? I don't know. Is, that, is that your problem? Your cannon didn't make it? <laughs> I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Chris Stanley pick this.
3: guy, Chris. What about JFK? Why does everyone forget about JFK? Because he was in there for what? Two minutes. Yeah. He saved us from nuclear war with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Jesus saved Christ. us or started one? He saved us. And then did
1: what? His tiny little Irish dick got in more trouble. He know what to do with. The only reason why you love him is because he couldn't duck. <laughs> oh
2: my god! <laughs> Lappy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Didn't know some people think I'm funny. Uh here is um Jerry. Jerry, what do you got for us? What's the number threes?
8: Um the three scariest wild animals you would not want to see. Um, you know. I would go with the bear being number three.
1: Uh give me your number one and number two.
8: Uh that would have to be lions and tigers, yeah. then bears. Oh, oh my. my. Oh my. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think it, we're not I'm um, over the rainbow.
5: I thought that was just a song. I didn't realize it was so faction. She's reading a list. You can learn something from yeah. some of those songs.
1: Well, all of them. As long as that fucking gay princess sings it. Tommy Roman Fez.
8: Yes, number three female input, the asshole. Number one, the pussy, number two, the mouth.
1: Um my only disagreement there is let's put it this way. I think I could be with a woman without a mouth. I don't know if I could be with a woman without an asshole. I'm afraid she'd explode on me. <laughs> <laughs> Something's gotta give. Uh, here is uh, Paul. Paul you're on a fez. We're looking for the number three.
0: Hey, I got uh, Wyatt Earp for best Kurt Russell characters. Number two, Snake. And, of course, number one, Captain Ron.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we're looking at Snake Plissken. <laughs> Captain Ron is what? number one. Right. Isn't your number one of all time?
5: <laughs> of course it is. And then Captain Ron, number two? I got
0: Captain Ron 1, Snake 2, and Wider number
5: 3. I don't know. I mean, I know I'm going to get disagreements, but I want to throw in Reno Hightower.
1: Yeah, just (laughs) stop saying the same shit over and over. That's the old Fezzy. Your new Fezzy. The mean guy who stays with a point and doesn't give up. Not Mr. I'm going back to a crutch every time I can. Some... Alright, so uh, I guess this is the way it's going to go now uh, At some point We will be taped At some point we will be Alive Because I am part of a Very secretive Kind of Jury deal I can't say what it is I will tell you it's very grand No details at all Would you like some details? Because you'll be arrested moments later, as will the listening audience. (gasps) I have to tell you, I had to... uh, That's serious. Yeah, I had to hear a lot of stuff today. But um, I literally had to take an oath to be part of the grand jury. Um, An oath that I did not want to take. That there was a uh, big thing on my uh, card that said 8Xs on it. Uh, which means I've blown this thing off eight times. Uh, and that doesn't include my, oh, I don't remember getting the letter. Yeah. Uh, so I was a, uh, must comply or else, uh, go in front of the judge. Uh, I tried to give him the shock jock treatment. No, it doesn't
3: matter. That's horse
1: Um, but if it means anything to you, I'll be going into the same uh, offices that you see on Law and Order oh, on your cool. television screen. I have the same entrance. So I'm kind of like the new season of Law and Order. Um, I actually came up with the fact of what if Fez? I said, what if Fez just comes down here and does? It? And they said, um, no, we want to, you know, take this seriously. So, um. All right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. The past is the past. No sense in uh, putting up any more of that best of stuff. And get in touch with us. I cannot talk about my grand jury. Apparently, what we will be doing is recording some stuff for you after the show that will play during my grand jury. And then I'll make it in about midway through the show every day. Um. Jason, Jason, you're on the Ron Fez show.
0: Hey, Ron, I'm just so glad you came in. I thought you were the only one taking up for the rapture. I mean, you're such a great human being. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have not have blamed Jesus.
1: The, the, the rapture thing that was weird is I felt like I rose like four or five feet and then was lowly, uh, lightly uh, set down. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, um, 866, Ron Zero Fez, 866 Ron Zero Fez. Mark, you're on the Ron Fez show.
0: Hi, Ron. How are you doing today? Um, I'm great. I got to thank you from the rest of the world for single handedly stopping the rapture with just a little negotiation. Thank you, Ron.
1: Well, again, it's nothing anyone couldn't have done themselves. They just won't. This is just some of the stuff I do. Right now, I'm fighting crime as part of a super secret grand jury and quite frankly we're doing our uh best to stop international rape and the international rape of maids
3: wow you're involved in that or no
1: i can't tell you anything i'm involved in you'd be arrested immediately
3: well i have warrants out already so do you really i think i have a bench warrant out for my arrest what for um drinking in the street
1: then i will have to step off the grand jury that day i will happen to say i love this kid like a nephew Because um, I'm ready to Teflon Don. I'm I'm ready to Teflon Don if I could. I see it. Um, let's go over here to Chris. Chris, you're on the on the Ron show.
0: Hey, ready? Yeah. fly
1: Well, your fucking phone blows, dude. Yeah, I'm sorry. Aquaman gets a better fucking reception than you're getting right now. Uh, let's go over to Tom in Connecticut. You're on the Ron face show.
8: Hey Ronnie, how you doing, bud?
1: Cool in the I gang.
8: Am, I'm curious why isn't Fezzi taking the stick this week? Why are you uh doing the best of half halfway through?
1: Well we're not doing uh best of we're gonna be recording some stuff after the show. It's gonna be fresh, new, exciting, in your face material. New shit. Uh we're laying down the new stuff. That's gonna fucking sound great. But so no Fezzi? Uh, yes, Fezzy will be all part of that right now. I see that he's kind of over at the side. And when he's ready, he shall indeed jump into the show. John, you're on the run of Fez show.
0: It's going to be tough to follow up the uh, last caller since my question was exactly the same. Well, then, I now, don't you, that, uh, seriously. He took the stick while uh, Opie was enjoying his birthday. So I look for some Fez action while you're uh, busy downtown.
1: I would, you know, I'm all open for it. I know Fez is more than ready, but just not today.
5: Right, yeah, just not at this moment.
1: Just not at this moment. Okay. Um, Thim, Thim, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Shock
8: and jock,
0: shock and jock, shock and jock, shock
1: and jock. I would have worked so much better if you didn't say, hey, Ronnie, first. Yeah, sorry. You fucking blew it.
3: Jesus. Fuck, I suck.
1: What did we do? Run this shock and jock bit today?
3: No, there's no shock and jock bit. Are that you... guy disgrace? shock and jock. What was the bit that was running? Your favorite three? Best number threes. You know the best two people in the this, in this subject, but well, who's the third best? It's doesn't good make, stuff. Doesn't even make sense to me. Oh, it was awesome.
1: This is the beauty of things that we talk about when I hear it later. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. How would the best third person of anything... Makes
3: sense to anybody. Makes perfect sense. And people were loving it. I'm telling you. Well, probably because they were confused by the premise. No confusion. It's just you always have your number one you your number two. But you never think about that third place finisher.
1: So like the third Beatle? Sure, yeah. Who do you got? George Harrison. The third Stone.
3: Ronnie Wood doesn't make
1: sense 866 six, run zero you know Charlie Watts is in that fucking band and has been since day one um let's go over here to uh Kyle Kyle you're on first Ronnie how you going yeah. I, I, I just got one the first thing I
0: want to say is
8: uh, about that maid deal hey that woman was dressed in a maid uniform for crying out at how many pornos you've seen anyway I, I just went down the rapture. I had two of my God-fearing relatives were rushed to hospital. One was with a, uh, one had an aneurysm and the other one had eight
1: strokes, so they must have thought that was this. Seriously, all I, it sounds like to me is kangaroo lager, kangaroo outback, blue onion.
3: Dingo, dingo.
1: Dingo ate my baby, baby ate my dingo.
3: Foster's, ah. <laughs>
1: Foster's. As a, seriously, I don't know. A lot of people who do men at work impressions, but yours is fucking right there, dude.
2: Thanks, right mate.
1: Fuck, see, that's the thing. You knew to put in that term, uh, mate. Um, Cheerio. Greg, you're on the Run Face Show.
0: Oh, hey, boys. Uh, Hicks, Jesus Christ. Ronnie Wood didn't join the Stones until 1975. Get a grip there, son. Hey, Ronnie, I didn't think I was going to enjoy the riser uh, on mass, but that came off really well, and I especially like the laugh track provided by the old man and the hot broad.
8: Thank you.
1: 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, six, six, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Six, six, uh, let's go over here to uh, uh Tony, you're on the Ron and Fez show.
0: Hey, Ronnie, they say the prosecution can get a ham sandwich indicted. Any ham sandwiches up for uh, murder
1: charges today? Maybe, maybe not. It's something I cannot discuss with you because you are not an officer of the court the way I am.
3: It's kind of, it's kind of prestigious when you put it like that.
1: It is pretty prestigious. And I could be looking at a foutie a day.
3: That ain't too shabby.
1: That ain't too bad at all. That takes me down about 200 a week, y'all.
3: I yelled out today. Where well, my fouty. It's in check cash, in place ASAP. Uh, Mark, you're on the running face show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you've been told this, man, but I mean, you got you got the silky smooth voice to call 18 a Firestone. Why don't they just mic you up and you go on location? I
1: got no problem with that. You know, as a matter of fact, they brought up like you can't YouTube anything in there. You can't Twitter. Uh, somebody got uh, arrested. For tweeting, What? Um, and they're like, if we see you, um,
3: like, fucking texting, we'll confiscate your phone. So I'm like, I'm in the jury thing. I'm trying on Foursquare. I'm trying to become the mayor of whatever, City Hall. Yeah. It's not going to work for me? I'm going to get fucking bagged up? Yeah, you will be bagged up for that. There's no way around. No way around. Get with the
1: times. But seriously, I don't know how many people have ever been arrested for tweeting. Um, but that'd be ridiculous. Dan, you're in my face.
0: Yeah, Ronnie, I'm really concerned about all this. How's all this tape content going to affect my call of the year status?
1: Well, first of all, we got no idea you are till right now. So, Dan, and Albania is that Georgia or New York? New
0: York. Come on. Do I sound like some filthy redneck?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, damn it. Talk to you later. Uh, here's uh, Bill. Bill in uh, Philly, you're on Runa Fez.
0: Brandon B., how are you? I'm on 495 North, heading up to I-95 North, going by Chichester High School. Need me to pick anything up?
1: Um, yeah, step by uh, Mary's on and off Tavern and just have a quick fucking cold beer.
0: Shot in a beer? Yeah.
1: I'll uh, do. Thank you, sir. 866-RUN-0-FEZ. 866-RUN-0-FEZ. It is the of Fez Show. Um, here's Brett. Brett, you're on Fez.
0: All right, I got a toughie. I got a dilemma. Number three, the Nero movie. I got Raging Bull and Taxi Driver, and I don't even know if those are going to be good choices.
1: What do you mean? You don't know if they'd be good choices. Those are fucking I've, fine.
0: I've got like a fucking book of movies to choose from. I don't well, know
1: well, Yeah, but th- you've, you've got to toss up then between Goodfellas, and Mean Streets, uh, Let Your Arab Known*.
0: I got Godfather also
1: in Casino. Please, why waste your fucking time? The <laughs> Godfather's not Bobby's. You know it. I know it. He might have picked up the fucking Academy Award, but it doesn't feel like a De Niro movie. You want to be a De Niro movie, you better have a young man by the name of Marty Scassesi fucking yelling out, roll 'em and cut.
3: That's right, all over that shit. Um,
1: it is the Run of Fez show, and uh, we are... Uh, very, very proud to be here. Now, we're going to take a break here and get stuff uh, back to normal. But I will say this. I will uh, try my best to get here as quickly as I can every day. I do want to say to the city, state, and county of New York, you are welcome.
3: Have they given you a thank you yet? Um, no. Oh, come on. Not yet. Well, I guess
1: I get, when I get done. I guess at the after party. We do the fucking Grand Jury after party every day.
3: Oh, that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it was nice. I'm going to get one going at Molly's. Um, hey, T-Bone, you're on the Ron Faze Show. Mr. Buddy, sir. Mr. Buddy, sir, how are you?
0: Pretty good, man. Uh, Ron, I heard you last week talking about uh, working at the Franklin Mint. Yeah. And I uh, drove by it uh, over the weekend. And that place is abandoned.
1: Now, do it's they? Like, Does the Franklin Mint just not have anything? Because it's a gigantic place.
0: Well, it seems to be that there's other companies functioning out of it. But as far as the mingos, gigantic place, like the museum's closed. Well, there's like seems- five or six houses that are completely abandoned, which I guess were a part of that, you know, the Franklin Mint complex. Uh, it's like Rock down there. It's pretty crazy. So mm-hmm. I guess they're still selling coins, but apparently they're not manufacturing them
1: there. What I need you to do is uh, roll into there, find out some things, and get in touch with me later.
0: Exactly, man. Hey, could, could you tell me a little history about the castle in Wallingford?
1: Uh, what happens, happens. That's all I'm gonna bring up to you. Some things happen some places, some things happen in other places. Yeah, we Stop write. Stop putting a book? your nose in everything. Write a fucking book. That's nobody's business right
3: now. Hell no. Trying look like I'm tour guide?
1: That's good. I like that one, uh, Hicks. Remember he's not. Remind remember, uh I always want you to use that whenever you get the opportunity. <laughs> we'll do. Um Uh Corre on the first show.
0: Hey Ronnie, you should show 'em you mean business when you show up, put on three D glasses, get a big cup and some popcorn.
1: Yeah, they don't mind I I've been told by other people uh doesn't matter what you do one way or another but you do just have to be there uh, uh i had a book i was enjoying late shift off uh through the morning oh nice oh that on, and that that on o'brien i don't know it's going to come to a head let me ask you this uh hicks what up was my buddy this uh freak before i got here yeah what was he freaked about
3: he was just he said he didn't know he was just nervous very very nervous
1: it was it because I wasn't here, or because it's was, a Monday? I,
3: I, think, um, I think. I think there's always a little Monday blues there. Right. And then, yeah, um, he was—he was very upset that you had to go to jury duty.
1: I don't like it either. I know. I don't like
3: it either. It's awful. I
5: hate thinking of you down there.
1: Well, that's where I am. Sometimes Daddy's got to do stuff. He can't always be here with you. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he isn't going to be here when it's time for bed. But I can't be here all the time.
3: That's all. Just think of it like that.
1: Now, Hicks is your babysitter.
3: You yeah, can I throw parties in here? or
1: <laughs> Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Cool. Help yourself. Help yourself to some bath salts.
3: Let's cut some rails.
1: <laughs> Did you see uh, the bath salt thing last night on uh, the NBC show? They got the guy who normally busts guys from fucking 12 years old.
3: Okay, Chris Hansen.
1: Yeah, so Chris Hansen is putting on a fake hat. And going in and buying bath salts. (laughs) And then they had him down St. Mark's Place, right? Yeah. And he's going, um, what do I do? Snort these or smoke them? The guy's like this. "Uh, The first one. Do the first one. That's it. (laughs) So they came. So then he comes running back in later. Do you realize some kids have Vodito nits? What do you want me to do about it? It's a legal product. What am I supposed to do?
3: I love those guys. I spent so much time in those fucking stores down in fucking St. Mark's. It was great.
1: Yeah, they just have, like, you know, 80s hey, pipes could be used for any uh, purpose at all.
3: These are tobacco water pipes. That's <laughs> all they're for. They're not used now, do they? You see any resin on that? No.
1: You could use it for whatever. In India, they would pass this around as a family pipe. Um, but... You know, he was, after that, he went into stolen bikes. He's just a fucking, he needs fuck? to get back to fucking pedophile uh, work. That's, that's, why that's he where happiest. he's at his best. Yeah. And then, I think he's instead of calling himself Chris Hansen, he ought to rock the fucking moniker, Cranston.
3: Sick, just going the one name, alright. Cranston, motherfuckers! Your ass is busted. My name is Cranston.
1: Just like Hansen. And just fucking get it going. Get the street kids to like him. But this basalt thing is fucking ridiculous because, you know, there's no way. It's fucking, you know, the kind of shit that you would take a bath with, except for it's like $80 for three grams.
3: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: So you would never fucking waste this on getting your toes nice and moist. Fuck no. The only thing to do would be to snort it. And I don't know what kind of high you get on it, but some kids get suicidal.
3: Yeah, that doesn't sound fucking too fun. I mean, might as well buy just some regular illegal drugs. It can't be that hard to find.
1: You know, I guess some of these fucking kids, they don't know where to go. But I would like to point out to anybody, if you're doing a drug and you're feeling suicidal, wait that shit out.
3: Yeah, really. I mean, it's going to wear off eventually. I
1: don't know why anyone can't think, you know what? I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And if I still feel suicidal, then I'll do it.
3: let to sleep on this. See if this is so fucking in my brain.
1: Let me sleep on it. Baby, baby. Uh, that was my little impression of Meat Loaf. Other than that, I'd be crying and yelling at a retarded Gary Busey.
3: Oh, poor Meat. Really strange to call him Meat.
1: Well, you know, what are they supposed to call him, Mr. Loaf?
3: I prefer Loaf. Call him Loaf. Like, I don't want to call him a man Meat. You what up, Meat? Well, you're
1: going you to let him pick what he wants to <laughs> fucking rock with. He's happy with the meat.
3: No, no thanks.
1: Uh, Rich, you're on Ron Fez.
0: Hey, Ron Fez. How are you, Ron? I just want to thank you for the dedication that you put into this job. It makes me feel really good just to hear your voice and doing double and triple duty all the time. Thank you so much.
1: Can I tell you something, my friend?
5: There's two number ones on the show.
1: Me and who? Fezzy W.
5: Fez Watley.
1: You're getting off to a little bit of a tough start today. Yeah. But come back right around the corner. Come back, kid. You want to come down with me and sit in Grand Jury with me? You think you'd feel better there? Uh, If I... uh, yeah. uh, if I was with you, I would feel better, I think. I could all, uh, They said I could bring one friend to Grand Jury. I was going to bring Earl with me, but I can bring you.
5: Unless they show any graphic photos, I would be fine. What
1: do you mean, graphic photos? Like any...
5: 20s?
3: Like graphic crime photos. Like mutilated vaginas? Is that what you're talking about?
5: I think that would fall under that category.
3: Maybe you're into that sort of thing. I thought that was your deal.
1: So well, what I'll do is I'll just have, if they're starting to say anything fucking bad, I'll just yell at earmuffs. So you think you feel this bad because you missed
5: me today? I was, I was really, I mean, like Hicks said, I had the Monday nervousness and then just like, I didn't know what was happening with you down there and I, I didn't like it.
1: A giant rock could have fallen on me and then I couldn't, wouldn't come back. And then where are you going to get your food from? Right?
5: Yeah, I just don't like those situations.
1: What situations?
5: Where it's under someone else's control of w- when somebody's allowed to leave or not.
1: Yeah. They actually yelled out, no one's leaving. So that had you all nervous? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that
5: that added to the, to the already nerves that were there.
1: Well, I'm here now. I'm back in your control. I could not chill. No? Mm-mm. Why you come down with me?
3: Yeah, go downtown. It's, come on, it's fun down there.
1: I'll say this is my fucking sidekick shirt round. Don't fuck with him. could be fun. And then you can sit out front on my bike so Cranston doesn't try to fucking steal it. And watch my bass salts for me.
3: Gotta keep an eye on those things.
1: You want to do that bit where we get the long coat you fucking uh, get the fake mustache get on each other's shoulders uh, Bob you're on the Rana Fez show Bob it
0: hey buddy boys yeah what's up uh, top three uh, producer for Ronafez Fez is easily Black Earl Douglas number two Hicks and then number one I'm going to give a tie beside Dave McDonald and Midnight Rider I want to have Fezzy's input on that
1: Who's your all-time favorite producer, Fess? It's Chris Stanley. He's the best
5: by far. I think you would have to do one and then maybe 11 and 12 afterwards.
1: He's that good, huh? Yeah,
5: I think he's really good.
1: What do you like about him?
5: He's He's got In everything
1: fact, covered. He's got everything covered. It's the specifics that can really sell it. Did you know that you were that well-loved, Chris?
3: No, I did not know. Not at all. Thank you, Fez.
1: You might be our Cranson.
3: I'm gonna go get some bad salts now after the show.
1: Don't you'll fucking commit suicide.
3: I figured the bad salts would push those things out of my brain.
1: But uh, um Yeah, let's break. We'll come back and uh restart the show up. Because uh, you said you wanted to talk about our old buddy, uh, when I talked to you last night, you were fine, mm-hmm. and you said you wanted to talk about the macho man, Randy Savage, and you said that somebody disrespected him. Yeah, yeah,
5: there's been a huge slight made to the macho man who passed away last week, and I, I'm just going to address that.
1: Okay. By the way, you're doing a whole new voice and I don't know what it is, but it's coming from a different place. Have you noticed it's, uh, Cranston?
3: Yep, that's right.
1: Now, was he doing that before he got on the air?
3: No, not at all.
1: It's more of a, kind of a stress place it's coming from, like a nasal stress?
3: Uh Uh-huh, that's what I'm thinking. There's been a huge slice. There's a
1: huge slice against them. Which I kind of like. I prefer this voice. Yeah, I didn't even know I was um, doing no, it. Now you you jump Aww. back out of it. You're back into the old voice. Passive aggress. That's right. I don't if. have the time for Siv. Siv. All right, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Somebody's hurt uh, uh, the memory of Macho Man uh, Randy Savage, which, by the way, he got so much press, his death. And that is the sad thing, because I see this happening sometimes, There's no way I think that he thought he would be that well remembered. But he doesn't get to enjoy it.
3: Nope. He's gone. He's just so beloved.
1: Well, he said the brain shuts down like a computer. Yeah. But see, here's what I think happens. Like when I shut down my computer, I then think that goes to computer heaven.
3: Every time? Yeah. Every single time.
1: It's computer heaven. I'm going to talk to Kaka about that. So you mean Kaku? No, Kaka, my Kaka.
3: Oh, I Molly's. Know. Oh, nice Molly's. Big ups.
1: Kaku like a crazy person.
3: Actually, I ha- I did talk to
1: him over the weekend though. Um, I wanted to go over a couple of questions with him, and I I don't want to. Can I put your Macho Man thing on the back burner for two seconds? Yes. Sure. I've got. I'm working on a novel right now. It takes place in the science fiction genre. Oh, nice. What's it like? um, it's kind of dystopian.
3: Cool.
1: And it takes place in the future. One minute in the future. So, like, in this future, yeah. uh, I'm finishing a certs. You know, that type of thing.
3: What's so dystopian about that?
1: I don't know. Where did that certs come from? and Is that the last
3: one? Uh, since it's only a uh, minute in the future. You'd, I think you'd know where it was from and how many have left.
1: Hold on, I'm going to have a search right now. Uh, Weird. Just like in my novel. I'm calling this, this novel 60 Seconds to the Future. And, you know, I mean, for some people, there's some things that won't change at all.
3: Yeah. And
1: some things it'll be very, very different.
3: Like what? It's only like 60 seconds.
1: Yeah. It's a minute ahead.
3: Yeah, I know, but how much could Let be- me ask you this. Yeah. What about
1: 9 11? Did a minute make a difference? Possibly. Possibly. One minute people are fucking don't work. The next minute a fucking plane hits the building. So, yes, 60 seconds was gigantic. How about in a football game? 60 seconds is nothing?
3: On the clock, yeah. That's pretty big. But that's, you know, more than 60 seconds. 60
1: seconds to the future. And I'm going to paint a whole new world. I believe people's main transportation will be roller coaster.
3: So everywhere, people will be taking roller coasters to work. Well,
1: to work, to play, you know. To work, they'll probably be just taking a bumper car. I think things in the 60 seconds in the future are going to be very
3: midway. So the world becomes a carnival.
1: The band put it best. life's a carnival. Get on the zipper. Everyone's having fun. You know, why do you got to fucking run down everything I do, Hicks? I'm
3: not running Professional down. Professional jealousy? No. I'm just trying to work this out with you. Because I, I just want I want to succeed. That's where I'm coming from.
1: I'll tell you this. 60 seconds to the future. I'm still going to hate you for your attitude.
3: Gee, that's hate. That's a strong word. Try to help are you or hurt help you glad I'm back Fezzy yes
1: I am no no I'm not with anybody else right now I'm just here with my pal um here's uh Kevin Kevin you're man of fez whoops let me try again
0: you could really do this I mean you're going to
8: own Vegas
1: thank you but I don't care about Re- Vegas. I'm more of a Reno man. Really? I like the, the biggest little city in the world. So what?
3: Not one of the big fucking...
1: When I go to a hotel, I like to be on the fourth floor penthouse. All right, I got him on a break here. We get, You got an itch inside your ear? Yeah. Waited all morning and scratch that?
5: No, it's uh, it's been there, and I'm out of my woodstick Q-tips.
1: Use a pen. Then I have to special order. You want to use it? You always have it itches deep in your ear, huh?
5: Oh man, it just like it's right like my brain is itching.
3: It's that deep.
1: It sounds like that's larva, my friend. Yeah, like you got fucking something has laid an egg in your in your. It's brain parasites.
3: Oh god. Uh huh. And they're oozing out of his ear, probably right now. Probably should replace those headphones.
1: All right, we're gonna break here. When we get back. It's time to put the spotlight on Fez Botley, as he's angry. About something. Is there someone in particular you're angry at?
5: Yes, there is one person, absolutely.
1: Mr. Death?
5: Nope, not Mr. Death. You're happy with Mr. Death. No, nah, I'm not thrilled with him, but there's one person that... There's that... See, the
1: voice came back. Did you hear it? Uh-huh. There growlier. is
5: one person who threw a slight at the macho man, Randy Savage, right after he died. Scary it's inex- Sherry? It's inexcusable. No, she's already passed away. All right.
1: Um... Hold on, Richard has a good uh, point. Richard, you're on Runa Yeah, if, uh,
0: if Macho Man could have seen 60 Seconds into the Future,
8: he would have hit the brakes.
1: Or at least pulled oh. off the road. So good once point. again, Hicks is seen as the fucking crazy lunatic that he is. Hicks actually belongs to that church of the guy who tried to say it was the end of the fucking world.
3: Yeah, North Cow, baby. I heard that guy has disappeared. They try, yeah, they've tried to hunt him down. He's uh, become very close. Maybe
1: he's in the rapture heaven.
3: So I guess it was only his personal rapture. He kind of blew it out of proportion.
1: For you. Uh, when we get back. And you're telling us who this
5: person is, Fez? Um, I'll give you the name. Yeah. Yeah, it's Wade Keller. Uh, is this a guy in your neighborhood? No, this is a guy online that talks about wrestling. See the blogosphere? Yeah.
1: I'm going to look him up right now.
5: He's a blogger. And he will be the target of my wrath.
1: Although the name's kind of familiar.
5: Well, he started the Pro Wrestling Torch.
1: Well, he actually—oh, that's a big deal. He actually has his own Wikipedia page, so he's way more than the blogger. Yeah, PW
5: Torch. It was like—it's uh, the. Well, pi-
1: it was like a fanzine for a while, right? Uh huh.
5: Yeah, newsletter. Yeah, it's—it's right. it's one of the big, uh, I guess, dirt sheets.
1: What do you mean by dirt sheet?
5: Uh, Just one of those newsletters that would let you know what's going on behind the scenes in the world of wrestling.
1: So all those are called dirt sheets? Yeah, I believe so. All right, now I'm learning stuff. If you believe so, are you sure? I'm sure. All right, so I'm learning stuff. uh, The dirt sheets, which is what Hicks calls his sheets on his bed. I don't do
3: a lot of laundry.
1: And he doesn't get out of bed when he has to shit. hence dirt sheets well
5: that's a lethal combination it is says who Uh,
1: All right, so it's Fez Watley versus Wade Keller and we get back here I have no idea what this is about I did not expect this kind of heat as they say in the business we're right back Ron and Fez show
0: Ron Bennington Fez Watley Ron and Fez Next question. Jeff, where are you? Right there.
8: Yeah. Um, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it.
1: Still real to all of us, pal. It's still real to all of us. Uh, Fez Watley got himself all upset with something I guess you read online, Fez.
5: Yeah, this is from the PW Torch, Pro Wrestling Torch and Wade Keller.
1: Now, this is one place that you do feel like an expert.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch professional wrestling all my life.
1: Now, because of that, you're able to re- uh, win a lot of professional wrestling trivia contests. No, I
5: haven't been able to do that in the past. I haven't won one yet.
1: Oh, so what makes you the expert?
5: Uh, the, the amount of time I have put into watching this sport.
1: Okay, but you can put in a lot of time watching the ocean, but doesn't exactly make you a swimmer. All right, let's move over to this. Tell us what Mr. Keller did that had you so upset.
5: All right, this was the day that Randy Savage uh, died in that car accident. So, of course, P.W. Torch is going to go ahead and talk about Randy Savage. But here's how he's talked about, according to Wade Keller. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Savage's ranking on the all-time greats list will be debated for years to come. He's just under Steve Austin, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Bruno San Martino, and John Cena in a top ten discussion.
1: So, um, you're upset how?
5: I'm upset that Randy Savage, the icon that he is, the wrestling great... Mm -hmm is put below a no-talent like John Cena. Hmm. And I think this way Keller did it just to get some um, heat for himself, just to get people to start screaming at him. But it's an insult that you don't do on the day that the man dies.
1: I get you there. It's, it's, it's just probably not a, even a great day for ranking on that day. Just be like, you know, let the people mourn.
5: Yeah, the, this John Cena. I don't think there's a more polarizing figure amongst wrestling fans. Um, uh, I watched the pay per view last night just to see what they would do for match. Uh-huh. You know, and he got a quick thing right at the beginning where they said in memory of Randy Macho Man Savage, you're born, you're died. That was it last night. I'm sure there'll be more tonight on Monday Night Raw. But last night, John Cena headlined that pay-per-view in an I Quit match. For the first time ever, I was bored watching an I Quit match.
1: Up to this point, you've always been excited.
5: An I Quit match is a really exciting match. Ric Flair, Jerry Funk has had them. John Cena against The Miz and I Quit. The most boring... I feel,
1: I feel like I'm in an I Quit match every day just doing the show with you. And guess what? I do. Put me below Everyone.
5: So, and and then, so, I'm like watching this horrible match last night. You didn't like it. No. So, I go to Mr. Wade Keller's blog. I
1: don't use his name against him.
5: To uh, see what he thought of that match. And even he's bashing Cena. So, he really can't possibly believe that Cena ranks higher than Randy Savage on an all-time greats list. Alright,
1: so you say he just did it for cheap Pete. I'm,
5: I'm saying, yeah, and his argument that he but put, you're
1: giving him cheap heat. Look at it. You're, you know, it's working.
5: Yeah, but I'm exposing him. I'm totally exposing him. He says the reason Cena outranks Savage is because Cena had to has to carry the WWE now by himself, and Savage never had to in the way that Cena did. Cena only is carrying the strap and the and the federation because it's a weak locker room. Randy, Rand, right. Randy Savage was a dominant guy who dominated among superstars with Hogan, Piper, everybody else that was there at that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: So here's the argument, but makes you, no sense.
1: Well, we, well, when we go back and forth with the. Uh You know, when you try to figure out greats of different eras, it's always a difficult thing, no matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about any sport or even entertainment, because things change.
5: Yeah, even uh, this Wade Keller said that John Cena uh, couldn't sell. His comebacks, his superhuman comebacks are so over the top, they have to stop.
1: All right. uh, I don't know what to say about all this. Well, how do you uh, do you have your own? place where he ranks
5: oh yeah yeah absolutely right i think randy said i'll do my top 10 for you
1: okay you want you to draw it up
5: i got it right here right my number 10 ted dibiase the million dollar man mm-hmm. i think he is the absolute best heel best worker in the ring
1: Qu- quick question does that include virgil
5: uh, I wouldn't put Virgil in it. I'm just saying Ted DiBiase. I don't.
1: I don't think you would have been there without Virgil. I seen Virgil win a lot of matches for him.
5: Uh, my number nine, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream.
1: Uh, does that include Sapphire, who really kept him going?
5: No, it doesn't include his manager, Sapphire.
1: I see. I think some of this stuff is, uh, is a problem.
5: Who's uh, Sapphire? Who's also passed away? Uh, my number eight is The Rock.
1: Mm, okay.
5: Uh, Roddy Piper is number seven.
1: Okay. This is an angry list I'm noticing.
5: Oh, yeah. I'm furious about this John Cena thing.
1: Okay. Where's John Cena for you? Right there?
5: No. John John Cena doesn't make a list oh, for my.
1: me. Don't give it away. We, we were hanging on it.
5: Uh, number six is the man who brought flamboyancy to wrestling, Gorgeous George. Changed the entire face of wrestling. Uh, Number five for me is the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Mr. WrestleMania. Number four on my list is where I have Hulk Hogan.
1: Wow, that's pretty low.
5: Well, you know, uh, low, but I think kind of a one-trick pony there. Okay. Uh, Number three for me is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm Mm-hmm. Who changed everything by beating up referees, ring announcers, uh, Vince McMahon, where that would have been the guy you hated, Mm -hmm. the guy who's picking on the little guys, but people loved it when Stone Cold did it. It changed everything. Ric Flair, perhaps one of the the best workers in the ring ever of all
1: time. Where's he at on your list? Number two. Yeah, that would put him as one of the best. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And then my number one, Macho Man Randy Savage. I don't think anyone went heel to face better than Randy Savage. Getting How about heel to toe? That's a different thing. But Randy Savage had audiences despising him. They had him loving him in a way that even when Flair was a good guy, Flair couldn't pull that off.
1: All right. Um, man, Noah uh, Andre the Giant on your...
5: No, I put Andre the. Gi- I didn't put Andre the Giant in. I just. I'm sorry. Huge draw, undefeated for 15 years, but I see it as a gimmick act.
1: Well, Mankind, he was great. Well, what do you mean by a gimmick act? He
3: was giant.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. You gotta fucking put Mankind. The
3: biggest spots almost ever. Right? Dude, love. Cactus Jack, baby, bang, bang.
1: Cactus Jack might have been my favorite out of yeah, all. come on. Only because of this. A bag, bag. He was so fucking out of exhausted when he said it.
5: No, it didn't make my top ten. In fact, if I was gonna put a hardcore guy in there, I probably would have gone t- Terry Funk before Mick Foley.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think both those guys would have to be on the list, Funk and Foley.
5: Yeah, unfortunately, there's no Blassie? Only no, I didn't put Blassie in. Nobody bled like that man. He would probably be a, a top 3 bleeder.
1: Bleeder. You're nothing but a bleeder. Um all right. so that's uh very different from the other list? Um there's uh
5: there's uh, some of the same names. I didn't put Bruno San Martino in mine. I didn't put uh Undertaker in mine. Undertaker again. What like about un-
1: Pedro Morales?
5: No, I didn't see where Pedro really changed
1: but things. You got people who speak Spanish. One of the first guys ever cut a fucking Spanish promo. What about the Golden Greek? I didn't. Where's Tony Gurria in your list? And what happened to Sky Low Low? Or Little Beaver?
5: He's Low Low on my list, I guess. What
1: did he mean by that? Didn't make it. Like a Little People Prezist?
5: What about any of the gay wrestlers?
1: Remember the fucking, uh, was it like Billy and Chuck got fucking married or some shit? And who was the other guy that was the gay wrestler?
5: Um, there was, uh, I can't think of his name that he went under after he came out, but I think he was, Mortis was gay.
3: Was it Goldust gay?
1: Yeah, Goldust was kind of gay.
3: See on there? No, Goldust didn't make my list. What, what about the Texas Tornado? He wrestled one fucking foot. I loved them. bad. Von
1: Erichs. The doomed fucking Von Erichs oh, family. family. Poor family. Uh, Bob, you're a The repo man.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. Three words. Jimmy, Superfly, Snooker.
5: I don't think Jimmy, Superfly, Snooker changed things like these other guys did. I don't think they... I don't think he had... Uh, the, I mean, he was hugely popular. People got, went nuts when he went to the top rope. Who did you hit in the head with a
1: coconut and hurt him for real?
5: Piper hit Snooker with a coconut. Oh, yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> and I kind of ended his career. On the pit. What about Marty Jannetty? No fucking love for him at all?
5: No, not really.
0: Come on.
1: He went through the barbershop fucking glass. Uh, Sean, you're on the fizz.
0: Hey, Ron, does Adrian Adonis make
1: Fez's top gay five? Yeah, you know, that would have been your, your gay five. Um, what about uh, Kamala, the Ugandan giant?
5: No, I'm not going to put Kamala on just for painting crescent moons on his big belly. Well, the godfather. He was a pimp.
1: He'd probably be the all-time greatest. The whole See, train. I'll tell you something else, Fez, when it comes to Mach. You can't say Mach without Mach and Elizabeth, because that's what got him over. And that's almost like, in a way, cheating. Because he never was as big as when he was with Elizabeth. And I'll say the same about
3: her. Oh, yeah. That Lex Luger was unbelievable. They were the
1: Cheech and Chong of fucking wrestling. Um, let's go over here to Howard. You're face.
0: Yeah, you cannot leave off Abdullah the Butcher. Fifty years of wrestling captured all over the world. And as soon as his name was mentioned... People wanted to come and see him.
1: That's true. He's got to be in your top three, Fez. All right, we're gonna make some changes. Uh, Phil, you're my Fez.
0: Hey, uh, Bret Hart's got to be on that list somewhere. Bring him the the ring wrestling uh, to the to the mat. Did a uh, did a great job, and not on the top ten anywhere.
1: What's the story with that Fizz?
5: He's fundamentally great. I just didn't think he was top ten. When you have people like Flair and DiBiase, who I put. Where, where
1: do you have ranked uh, Chief J. Strongbow? What's he fucking doing right now?
5: He's not on there.
1: That's a, that's a fucking problem for me. It was a dance at chopping a sleeper hold. What's wrong with that? You got fucking uh, Hulk Hogan on there, and somehow he thought you could win by hitting people with your leg. You got a whole body. Why are you just putting one fucking leg on them? And why would that work?
3: That one leg is just super jacked up.
1: All right. Some people are saying that you gave out your top three wrestlers just in the last half hour. That that was part of your threes.
5: Oh, yeah. I uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know about that. You guys don't have it turned up? Yeah, but I was doing some other things.
1: What are you doing? Looking out the window? Uh Mike, you're on the Run and Fez show.
0: What about the Brooklyn Brawler?
1: I liked him a lot and also Ro- the Red Rooster. I think they I'm gonna put that as Fez's sixth and Fez's seventh. So if you're scoring this at home. Uh Pat, you're on Run and Fez.
8: Yeah, Fez. What are you, racist? How about Coco Beware?
1: Yeah, any black guys on your list at all, Fez? Uh the rock is on there. Alright, so half. Um Coco Beware will be Fez's fourth. Uh, and then Special Delivery Jones becomes your ninth. And then Mr... What's his name, Mr... Hughes. Yeah, Mr. Hughes uh, will be your 10th. What about Farouk? Yeah, Farouk's there. Why didn't Tugboat make your list, Fezzies don't like him anymore?
5: I I just didn't think he was top 10 material.
1: Can I ask you about another one? What about the Polish strongman, Ivan Putsky?
5: Yeah, the hammer wasn't there for... Uh, I didn't think it was that great of a finishing hold. Oh, yeah. So it's all finishing holds to you. No, it's an overall package. What about Rikishi, then?
1: Rikishi's definitely in. Uh, Doug, you're on a fez. Hey, Ron, you sound
8: like a million bucks. Thanks. Uh, Dr. Dusty Williams, where's he at, Fez?
1: Number one,
5: Fez? No, no, didn't make the list. Again, a really good fundamental
1: wrestler, but not... What about Stinko Malenko, Dean Malenko?
5: He was good, but didn't have the personality, didn't have the pop, didn't have the promo ability. How
3: about Bash and Booger? That guy had heat.
5: I liked him. All he did was sell the ice cream bars.
3: Delicious.
1: <laughs> uh, Steve, you're on the Fez. Hey, guys. How
0: you doing today? Good. You, uh, Fezzy, you got to give Ultimate Warrior some love and also Sting, man.
5: I, I, Oh, no Sting on the list. No, no Sting. Thought about it. No Sting.
3: Oh, Razor Ramon
5: Razor Ramon what about Diesel yeah just not not there especially Diesel I, I might have considered Ramon
1: biggest night in the history, history of wrestling is when uh, they went down and joined Hogan
5: uh, yeah the NWO the start
1: of that but you act like that's nothing um I mean you're talking about guys that change things yeah those were the guys that could rest during a match no one ever thought of that before just leaning over.
5: Yeah, and then they also introduced the 20-minute in-ring promo.
1: No, you just said promos were a good thing.
5: Yeah, but that, if you can do it, theirs were hideous. They didn't
1: change things for the best. Uh, Angel, you're on of Fez. Hello? Angel.
0: Yes, uh, what about uh, Eddie Guerrero?
1: You can tell that Fez hates Hispanics by uh, this list of his. This is a white man's league. Oh, yeah. I thought about
5: Eddie Guerrero, and then I put in Shawn Michaels instead. Sure. What about Conan?
1: He's getting bowdy body and rowdy-rowdy. Tom here on Running a Fez. Uh, Tom, we got you. He goes, uh, I'm going to do it for Tom. He's like, How could you put. Much at the top of your list, and not have Steamboat, the man who kind of put Much over.
5: Steamboat again. I'll say th- there wasn't that big of range with Steamboat. I don't think he was ever a heel in his career. I don't know. Uh, I, he never got the pop that the people that I have on the uh, my list.
1: So got. what? So your thing is just what your list is is your version of most popular wrestlers. Well, I, I think... Why it, don't you call it that? Rather than the best wrestlers, why don't you just say these people sold a lot of merchandise and got a lot of applause?
5: Because it, it's all...
1: It's more than that. It's in ring ability. I'm not saying any of that, though. It's, or you wouldn't have put Malenko down. And you wouldn't have put Steamboat down so yeah. bad.
5: It's people that I consider
1: total packages. I just don't understand how you're doing this. Um, Zach Yerman Fez.
0: Hey Ronnie. Hey Fezzy. How about the uh, the big Valboski?
1: You got him down,
5: Fez? No, no, I don't have the big V down. Even though he almost had his penis chopped off in one gimmick.
1: Larry Yerman Fez.
0: Fezzy, I am a Macho Man fan to the end, but Macho Man is not number one. If you take Miss Elizabeth away from him. He's doing nothing but wrestling with his brother, the Professor Levin Lanny.
1: You gotta you you gotta admit this, Fez. He never had the pop when he wasn't with Elizabeth. And out of all the people that you're talking about there, he probably had the shortest career for a guy who left, you know, healthy in terms of his WWF career. I mean if he was really carrying the league the way that you're saying he would have had more than a six- or seven-year career.
5: Yeah, well, he carried the league while he was champion, the first time he was champion. And then the, the mega powers explode. The Hogan-Savage feud went on.
1: Right, but that's Hogan's. I mean, the thing is, who carried that league during that era? When well, you was, say it was Hogan's league...
5: Yeah, well, Hogan, always, you know, for the most part, always had the belt.
1: But even when he didn't have the belt, wasn't it his league...
5: Yeah, but Macho Man took over when Hogan went to do that Ripa movie, No Holds Barred, and carried the whole Federation on his shoulders.
1: Wait a minute. Who produced the movie? Vince. So Vince thought the person who was carrying the Federation was doing his movie. You're not going to say, I'm producing a big movie. Get me the number two guy in my fucking Federation. Hold on. Paul's got to go in. Paul, you're on my face.
8: Uh three, four, one buddies. Hey, pal. Uh says he. What mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning? He's the only man who could rob himself of his own home run.
1: Here's the thing. He did everything perfect. And he also brought back the Olympic style swimsuit. Yeah.
5: He was perfect till he started dropping matches. I
1: don't I don't they think he didn't want to burn his fingers.
5: I don't think Mr. Perfect uh, had the ability to light up the crowd like the people on my list even when he was at his at his biggest bad guy turn and that was another one too um, didn't stick around all that long Doug you're running
1: Fez
0: Hey uh, Fezzy I want to know where my two favorite wrestlers are at in your book. When growing up, Dick the Bruiser and Dusty Rhodes.
5: Dusty Rhodes, I have it number nine on my list. Till Ronnie um, changed it to Special Delivery Jones.
0: I love those classic matches down there when I was living in Florida with him and Kevin
1: Sullivan. Yeah, is Kevin Sullivan on there?
5: No, no, Kevin Sullivan's not on there.
1: Um, let's move over here to Kevin. Kevin, you're on my face.
0: Yeah, Ronnie, I mean, how come CS didn't put Hacksaw uh, Jim Duggan or Cowboy Bill Watts or Dr. X on that list?
1: These are the only people that Fez saw when he watched WWF on fucking Saturday mornings. Well
0: hey, you brought up uh uh the big the big guy a while ago. Uh maybe you didn't put him on there.
5: I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, Bill Watts. Uh, maybe as a promoter, he could go in. But on my top ten, but not as a wrestler. He didn't. Um, he was a heel, but he was that cowboy gimmick that wasn't gigantic. Steve, you're on my Fuzz.
0: Hey guys, how you doing? Hey Fezzy, what about one of the best rivalries ever, Don Morocco and Greg Valentine? And then you also have Tony Atlas. I mean, these guys are superstars. How about the best champion ever, Mr. Bob Backlund?
1: Yeah, how does Backlund not make the list, Fuzzy?
5: Backlund I thought about, and but I went with other ring tacticians instead that I thought had more of a total package together where they could talk as well as Russell.
1: So it's all about talking for you. By the way, no Killer Kowalski in this?
5: No, nope, no Killer Kowalski.
1: King Kong Bundy? How do you not have Haystacks Calhoun on your list? Or the great Bobo Brazil? You're all just about one era, I noticed. You run from late 80s to late 90s. Maybe you don't have a big history of wrestling. Maybe that's your thing.
5: No, I've watched it all my life.
1: Who was the guy that I think he used to do the flying neckbreaker? Ken Uh, Patera. Ken Patera, the only wrestler who had the balls to look like Albert Brooks. He and Albert Brooks were fucking, just looked exactly the same. KC, you're on my Yeah, this is
0: Josh. Uh, best uh, best entrance and best finishing move, Goldberg. What do you say, Fezzy?
1: You know, Fezzy, you talk about getting pop. Over the 90s, nothing was as big as Goldberg. And that is even when the WWF started to come back and win Monday nights, people still would just keep going over at the end of the night to see Goldberg's entrance.
3: Yeah, because he also had that streak or whatever of not being fucking beaten.
1: Goldberg!
3: Goldberg!
5: Flash in the pan. I didn't put him on. Wow. Same way I feel about John Cena right now. I don't know if John Cena, uh, depending on how long his career is and where it goes, if I will ever put him on a top ten list.
1: Also, loyalty, respect. So, what makes a great wrestler? Go. Let's go through your list and tell us why each person's great. Start from the top.
5: Ted, uh, Ted DiBiase at number ten. He is the top. All uh, right, Randy Macho Man Savage at number one. The guy who could do face and heel, good guy and bad guy, was over it all the time. Great in ring skills, brought something new to the table of a big man flying off of the top rope with that elbow and, uh, was able to carry the, the league when he had to.
1: Mm, I don't know if he did. Tim, you're on the Running of Fez show.
0: What's going on, buddies? Yeah. Uh, Fez, I have a question. How could you not put two of the biggest heels in the Attitude
5: Era ever? You got Chris Jericho and Edge. Um, you know what? I thought about both of them. You those.
1: hate Jericho because he's...
5: I thought about both of them, and they both come and go so much, I can't put a consistency to them. And Edge is retired again, so's Jericho. I wasn't going to put him in top ten, where I feel, especially not Edge. I I just was, I didn't see where Edge was all that groundbreaking, great uh, cutting a promo, or in the ring.
1: Here's our friend Hard Rock Johnny. Let me ask you about, what about Tommy Wildfire Rich?
0: How come he's not in your top ten? Seems like you should be there, Fizz.
5: He shouldn't be there. He came and he went.
0: He's still wrestling. What do you mean he came and he went?
5: Uh, he, held, he was big <laughs> in Georgia, but he never caught on nationally.
1: So it's all WWF for you?
5: Kamala, the Ugandan giant. But no, painting stuff on your belly doesn't count. Oh. Shit, I just, cleaned, I, I just did that. I've told Mil you that Mascheris. several times.
0: How about Mil Mascaris?
1: Man of a thousand.
0: The man of a thousand masks.
5: Mil Mascaris is someone that I might consider putting in there. Really? Who are you taking out for him? Um, I would probably. Macho Man? Take out. No, not Macho Man.
1: <laughs> that way we get a new number one. Everybody will go crazy.
5: I might take out Shawn Michaels or The Rock. Take Ooh. him out. Which one? Um, I would take The Rock out.
1: Wow. All right, I'll trade that. All right, so
5: How about George the Animal Steel?
1: The animal belongs there. No.
5: Uh, again, gimmick act.
0: What was his gimmick? Just because he had a green tongue and he ate the turnbuckles.
1: All right, let's go to Hulk Hogan. Uh, he's six foot whatever, eight or something crazy. Uh uh-huh. Slow in the ring. He's not a gimmick act? Uh, he's a gimmick act. But Thank he's, you.
5: But he's one that changed the face of wrestling.
1: Now, did he change it or Sylvester Stallone? Would have he been as big as he was if he didn't get put in that Rocky movie? Because he wasn't big before that, and then he shows up in the Rocky movie, and Vince ran with that.
5: Yeah, he probably yeah he probably does owe stuff to Sylvester Stallone. So
1: Stallone belongs there in the top ten. Hell yeah! First person to ever really go toe to toe with fucking Hogan.
3: Thunderless, baby,
1: and tie him. How
0: yeah, doing- about the Iron Sheik? He kind of made Hogan because he gave him the title. Shouldn't he get in there somewhere?
1: Yeah, he's in there. What about the only wrestler to go on to be not only a movie star, but a governor? Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. uh, Jesse Ventura? Who, let's face it, in a lot of ways, was doing Hogan's act before Hogan. Yeah,
5: exactly. So I would also put in Superstar Billy Graham before Jesse Ventura.
1: All right, so both of those going where? Uh, no, I'm
5: not putting in Superstar Billy Graham. In that, in that kind of uh, vein, I have Dusty Rhodes, mm. uh, the very charismatic uh, good guys. How right. about Gorgeous George? Gorgeous George is in there at number six.
1: All right, see, at least got something. All right, Johnny. All well, right, boys. Back to you later. What about Sabu?
5: No, I didn't put Sabu in.
1: Brian, you're on the Manifest Show.
0: Hey, what's up? I just wanted to ask Fezzy if he was uh, pissed off. You know how you guys didn't want to speak about the rumor on mm-hmm. um, last Friday about how he left WWF? Well, Sam Roberts on Dave's show, Special Delivery, said he, he, he said that rumor, and I thought that was all just internet bullshit. And now here's Fezzy all heated up about Wade Keller. What about Sam?
1: That's a no-class move by Sam. That really, really is. Now, luckily, since it took place on Special Delivery, nobody heard it. But that is a tacky fucking move. And I know Dave was not even involved in that.
5: I'm sure he wasn't. That's really tacky. Day after the guy passes away.
1: Why don't you challenge him? Mono and mono, wrestling trivia. I'll face him again. What will you go for this time?
5: Um, I'm not sure at this point. $14,000.
1: Alright. right. Done. Lock it in. You better win this, Fuzzy. You only get the money. Good truck change. <laughs> Craig, your man, Hey, guys, love the show. Yeah, I
0: really got. Great. How about Canada's greatest athlete, Iron Mike Sharp?
1: Um, you can't say enough stuff about uh, Iron Mike uh, Sharp, Fuzzy.
5: Maybe if I was doing like a top ten jobbers,
1: guys who lost every week. A lot to be said for a good jobber.
5: Oh yeah, but he's not top ten overall all time. Here's Janae, you're on Run
1: Fez. Hello. Yeah. What about? Well,
0: first I was gonna say The Rock isn't black. He's Hawaiian.
1: Fez is a racist then. Oh, his (laughs) dad is black. And also, um,
0: what about Jake the Snake?
1: Oh, wasn't he partially Snake? How's Jake the Snake uh, not make it with the DDT?
3: Hell yeah. Those crazy, creepy promos he would cut. Where's Rick Rude in this list? He didn't make it. That's insane to me. Come on.
5: There's a lot of pe. Pa- There's only ten spots.
1: Well, Rick Rude's got to have one of them.
5: Hell yeah. He made the ladies go wild.
1: He came up with spray painting your opponent's girlfriend on his pants. Which is brilliant.
5: Yeah, I don't know how that really changed the face
1: of uh, the sport. Good abs.
3: He was ripped.
1: What about the first porno star ever to wrestle? What was that guy's name?
3: Oh, Valvinus.
1: Hello, ladies.
3: He gone wild, too.
1: What about Henry Winkler when he did that fucking movie, The One and Only? blowhard you're on the run of Fez show
8: well I was going to mention the superstar Billy Graham but I think Fez's list is really uh... way off. Number one has to be Hogan number two has to be Ric Flair number three around around the world most people know Andre the Giant more than they know Macho Man
1: it's crazy not to have Andre the Giant probably the biggest draw
0: worldwide
8: exactly and and I really think that Randy Savage stole a lot of his act from uh, Superfly Snooker, to be honest. You know, doing the high-flying stuff. Jimmy Snooker was doing that his whole career since he started. He
1: did have a kind of a Snooker thing. And
8: Fez, being from Florida, you don't mention Harley Race. You don't mention Briscoe's That's uh, insane. Heels. You don't mention Larry oh, Zabisco, boy. the guy who broke Bruno San Martino's neck, Stan Stasiak. We can go on forever. Oh, I mean, Stan Hansen. Guys, and there is a Stan Stasiak, though. On yeah. That list.
1: But why did you correct him, then?
5: Because Stan Sasiak didn't break Bruno's neck.
8: No, no, Zabisco. did.
1: Zabisco. No,
5: Hanson broke Bruno's
1: no, neck.
8: Dan Stan Hanson. There's another one, the Lariat. That's right. Another great wrestler.
1: What about... Uh,
8: boy, and, you... and Ronnie mentioned one of my favorites, the Golden Greek, John Tolos. Mm. I mean, there's so many, and Macho Man, he had a great gimmick. He he had a good draw, but I don't think he's in the top three, at least top four.
1: All right, let me give you this. fuzzy. best entrance all the time. Who was it?
8: Best entrance? Um...
5: That would probably go to that would go to Hogan, I think.
1: Nope, Sandman. Sandman with that fucking music and coming out of the crowd, uh, popped the place.
8: Popped. As much as we love Randy Savage, and by the way, his song isn't a graduation song. It's called "Popping Circumstance," uh, just to be uh, technical. But you know, Randy Savage basically became sort of a gimmick later on. With the whole, you know, George, the animal steal in love with Elizabeth, it became like a cartoon thing going on in the WWF. With the whole uh, flirtation of Beauty and the Beast and all that stuff. But when you wanted to sell tickets, you got to go to Hogan. You got to get the who wasn't matches.
5: a cartoon.
8: Who? Um, no, I'm saying who had the biggest audience. I mean, Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan was like probably the most viewed match, right? Live. That's a. That was gigantic.
1: Dueling. They still haven't come close to that. All right, now and uh, the
5: match they talk about on that same card. It is Steamboat Savage. But what was the
8: main event that people said, "Holy shit, Hogan's gonna fight Andre"? This is something I have to see. Hulk Hogan is the Yankees. I mean, let's face it—he put Vince on the map. He took him to MTV. He made it mainstream. Hulk Hogan walks down Broadway. People are gonna mob him, and people are gonna attack him. And you know, he'll have a crowd. He's—he's he's like, you know, he's the mayor. But I think if Randy Savage walked around, he wouldn't have the same recognition or what? the same type of. Uh, you know, adoration than than um, Hulk Hogan, who is whether how his skills really suck, he is the face of pro wrestling.
1: Um, let's go over. GVAC said this in. Uh, it said on the bet that a Fez had, and I think this was when you were doing your threes in this hour, Fez. Uh huh. That just before you started this bit, you were running a best of. Uh, your three was Hulk Hogan. Um, you want three, Hogan, two, Flair, one, Andre. And now Andre doesn't uh-huh. make your top fucking
5: ten. Yeah, I've re-examined this whole thing since uh, Macho Man passed away. Well, we'll I mean, I, I grew up
8: watching WWF, obviously, in New York, in the Northeast. And we didn't get to see Flair that much, but I saw him in wrestling magazines and when I would travel. But come on, Flair's your hero, isn't he? I mean and even to put rant, um we got away from the die with and Fez. Dusty Rhodes, what happened? I mean, he was your he was your guy too.
5: Yes, I'm putting together what
8: I feel is an unbiased list. But was Dusty Rhodes as influential as Macho Man? I would say Dusty Rhodes was the, was was the, was the the southern uh, Hulk Hogan. He, in a way, he was like, you know, everybody loved the American dream. I mean, he was just probably one of the most popular regional acts in those southern states. Just like the Briscoes and Holly Race. He
1: would, would help people kill. sell vans. I'd see him on TV uh, telling people to come out and get vans. Vans this weekend and recreational vehicles.
8: And if you're going to throw in the rock, well, the rock was in Hawaii and he's Samoan, I believe, and he's half-black with Rocky Johnson. That's but, racist. you know, when you talk about selling tickets alone, I still don't think that Macho Man has the power of a Ric Flair, an Andre, a Hogan. And even The Rock. I mean, The Rock nowadays. I haven't watched wrestling in a long time, but I do know The Rock is—he's everywhere. He's making Bad B movies. He's going. Well, back here's to the, the
1: thing, Fuzzy, and we all love much, uh-huh. but he was with the the Fed six years. Um, Undertaker's been there like twenty some. He doesn't make you top ten. Um, no, because here's the thing: like most of the people on my list
5: have had great matches against the Undertaker. But The Undertaker has had really lousy matches when you don't add one of these other people to
1: the mix. Well, now that's the same thing that you're bitching about Cena about. That Cena doesn't have good people to go off of. You can't uh, blame that for him. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Steve. Steve, you're on Hey, what's
0: going on, guys? I got two of them for you. What about one of the four horsemen of... Uh Of uh, the old uh, Ric Flair gang, Arn Anderson.
1: Fez doesn't like technical wrestlers. I like technical
5: wrestlers. I included some of my top ten.
0: Yeah, I always liked Arn Anderson, but my dad's favorite was always Chief Wahoo McDaniels. Where'd you put him?
1: Didn't even make it. No. Where's the big cat, Ernie Ladd? Where's your sense of history? It's there. I don't understand how classy Freddie Blassie isn't there. Breakfast with Blassie. The man came up with the fucking phrase pencil neck geek. Uh, Joe, you're Fez.
8: Hey Fezzy, uh Father's
0: Day is coming up. Um where does Chris Benoit rank on your list?
1: I don't I don't rank
5: Benoit. Simply
1: like call Crossface.
5: Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna give him any credit. For why? Uh, because of the murder-suicide.
1: That happened outside the ring, Fuzzy.
5: Oh, I understand, but I'm still... I will never put a list in with
1: Benoit. Uh, Bob. Bob, you're on gone Fez.
0: Hey, buddies. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, first, Fez, welcome back. I'm um, sorry to hear that such a tragedy brings you out of your show, but it's nice to have you back. I was just wondering why no women on the list. Uh, Fabulous Moula, for decades, is a wrestler and a manager, and she doesn't get any credit?
5: I thought about putting Moolah on the list. There was a lot of people that did not make the list that I was thinking they should definitely be there. Moolah was one of them.
1: Rob, you're on Fez.
0: Fezzy, you sound like a million bucks today. Ronnie, how you doing? Good. Hey, uh, Fezzy, I think you're off the mark here, though. Macho Man was a or He was the Scottie And to Hogan. He was the backup show against the Warrior. The Macho Man did, never drew like The Rock drew, like Hogan drew. The Macho Man, you can't put him in a top ten because he wasn't a solo superstar act on his own. He needed
5: that. This
1: has him as number one.
0: I, I got him as number
5: one. I disagree with that. I think he was a dominant figure in an era of really other dominant figures. That wedding went with Miss Elizabeth. That was why people tuned into that pay-per-view.
1: But that's a soap opera thing. And we all, there was something about Macho and Elizabeth. We all know that. Uh-huh. They were adorable together. But does that make you, number one, running that sick, twisted thing of trying to get her back even when they were broke up? Yeah,
5: he was, I will I will give you that, he was always better with uh, with her than without her. That's why when the, they got to the part of the reunion, that part of the angle, that's why it was so gigantic.
1: Yeah, I know. We will agree with that. But did Hogan need a crutch like that? Did Flair? Did the great Andre the Giant? Or even a Sergeant Slaughter? A Big John Stud? A Papa Shango? Or my own personal favorite as number one, Sky Lolo?
5: I didn't know he was your number one. I told you he was my number one. When are you going to pay attention? I'm gonna be that grand jury tomorrow. You gonna be there with me? I'll go down I don't think they'll let me in the courtroom.
1: They will. I'm the foreman. I'm not even supposed to say that, but what? I am. Yeah. That's sick. Well, I figure you're gonna run the fucking thing. You're better off. Being the guy. No way if there's ever a little bit, you know, coming back, a little bit of a taste, I get the way let my beak. Let's go over here to uh, Snowy. Hey. Snowy, what do you got? Hey, Fez, do you have any tag teams on there? What about the Steiner? They're one of the greatest
8: tag teams of all time.
1: Steiners, fuzzy?
5: No, I, I I don't put them on, Pop, uh, why not? on. my top ten overall wrestlers.
1: Where's Big Papa Pump? I'll slap you into a fucking Steiner recliner right now.
5: I thought he
3: And was end this fucking thing quickly. Real fucking quick. I thought he was
5: <laughs> stiff. I thought he was awful.
1: You're
3: awful. His hair, the glasses, the biceps.
1: Um, Mike, you're on of Fez. And
3: hey, what about Roddy Piper?
5: I got Roddy Piper on the list at number seven.
0: Excellent.
1: <laughs> He's happy now. Kevin, you're on of Fez.
0: Hey guys, what's up? Yeah. Hey Fez, I just got a couple quick points for you. One, how do you have you're talking about all these technical wrestlers, you don't have Kurt Angle on that list, Fez. Kurt
1: Bad Angle, I like to yell at him.
0: I mean, you got you, you got you got someone like DiBiase who, towards the end of his career, spent more time just walking.
1: Faz you cut that guy off?
5: Yeah, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah, Ted DiBiase belongs in my top ten. Ted DiB-
1: DiBiase, name me one great fucking... Ted DiBiase match. Uh, Thank the... you. No further questions. What
3: well, about the time when he shoved the money in that guy's mouth?
1: That was good. Or fucking knocked the basketball away from the little kid
3: funny yes great matches no
1: loves Jesus yes but you're going to fucking put him above cactus jack dude love mankind what that's for shame that's seriously that's for fucking shame I feel like I don't even know you anymore oh. you know me I'm Fez you used that. to be then I start to hear this voice I think he's been taking on the match's voice uh Mike
8: yeah Ron how you doing uh, Fez sound great today um, you you got to agree with Cactus Jack has to be one of the best ever.
5: I think if I was going to go hardcore, I had Terry Funk and Ted DiBiase slipping back and forth.
1: That's that crazy point. to even act like that could happen.
5: At what? that number 10 spot.
1: That's fucking Funks. And I and what about Raven? Uh, let's go to Eric. you don't on the fence. Yeah, boys. Uh, what about Jerry Lawler? You ha- Fez hates Tennessee. I notice you have not given any love to that part of the country.
5: No, I didn't do uh, Bill Dundee or Jeff Jarrett. Any of the, the Tennessee crowd. Why? The Fargo brothers. Why? Uh, I just didn't see where they changed anything. I didn't see where they exploded on the scene. Lawler, I like. I'm a big Lawler fan but I don't think he's top 10 material. Great regional guy.
1: I'm not sure I like the tone of that, Fezzy. Uh, ben in Canada, you're my a Fez.
0: Hey, Fezzy, where does Triple H fit in here? He's been one of the most popular wrestlers in the last decade.
5: Triple H I would probably put in in maybe a top 20.
1: No, you're not making up another fucking list.
5: But I would not do him top 10. There's too many better guys that do what Triple H does.
1: I only like Triple H when he dressed up like he in that fucking puffy shirt. And did that gimmick (laughs) everybody hated. T-Bone.
0: Hey, how does Hacksaw Jim Duggan not make the list? And how is he not the best entrance of all time?
1: I don't think he can reward somebody for other people with a board. I don't know if I ever saw him win a match without it. Or get confused and think that he was on a three-points fucking stand. Well, Fez, this does bring out the best in you. So, you love to read a list.
5: Yeah, so I just want to tell uh, Wade Keller that he's absolutely wrong. He's an insult to professional wrestling for claiming to be such a fan. Would you and climb
1: in a ring with him right now?
5: Absolutely. And Wade Keller, your, uh, your John Cena thing... Uh, your guy, your top ten person, had the worst pay-per-view of all time last night. That's a lot.
1: Alright, that's it for us. We'll cut some more stuff for you, but remember, I'll be back in here live tomorrow, too. That's right. Don't forget about me. Just like, you know, I'm in fucking grand jury, so what?
3: We're still here for you.
1: Can't last forever. Hell no. It's like when Elvis went in the fucking uh, Marine Corps. No, he went in the Army. No one ever bragged this up, but Elvis started fucking SEAL Team 6.
3: He started that entire thing. Yeah. He was that well trained.
1: First of all, yes. Second of all, there is no SEAL Team 6. It's like my grand jury. It doesn't exist.
3: You just, you just brought it up. I got to ask about it.
1: Did I? Or did I just fuck with your mind in a way you can't even believe?
3: Holy shit. That's
1: it for us. See you guys back in here tomorrow. Run fest. Peace. And that's the end of my show. Donk. Satellite
2: oh. light. of love. We're listening to today's Ron and Fez show.